0: Hey guys, welcome to the Bagged Broadcast episode number 431. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Weekend Geek, bring you the top geek
1: stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we're looking forward to coming out January 6, 2021.
0: You did it. It's a new year. A new way of John saying the, well, the year. Now you have to remember, you do it like semi-Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we always follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And we do a lot of lookbacks here at the show. We've done them for years now. And it just so happens to be that this is going to be another one of those where instead of just looking back at comic books or something that we've read over the month, we're going to be looking back at the past year of 2020 with some of our favorite beer, things we've watched, movies and streaming shows, some of the favorite comic books we've read. Uh, you know, maybe some other stuff we just want to ruminate as we move from 2020 into 2021.
1: We've we've done this for 11 years now. It's it's something that we've actually done since the beginning. Um, and in the beginning, we had video games because at that time, when we were all in our 20s, uh, we all video gamed a lot more. And it's kind of evolved into... I think the, the three that we have now, I think if 2020 was a little different, we might have had another category added to it. Yeah. But, uh. But yeah.
0: This year's messed
2: up a lot of things, but, you know. There was two months without comics. Was it two months or one month? One and a half months without comics? Any new reality Ida. was...
0: From I think it was actually a little bit longer because I know it was like, a little... all the publishers are just putting out like special like mm-hmm. collections or like reissues yeah. of stuff.
1: Yeah, and we were doing the queue then. Yeah. Was it March through May? Did it last through my birthday? I think it was eight, maybe April to June, something yeah. like that.
3: Yeah,
0: Any, anything's possible in quarantine yeah. land. So who knows?
2: Time doesn't matter. Time makes no sense. And you know what helps us pass the time that doesn't matter or makes sense? That's right. Drinking. Drinking helps speed up that time. Uh, and right now we're drinking from clown shoes. That's right. We're back into it. We're we're still in that saddle drinking the twelve beers of Christmas from clown shoes. Finishing up. Last- Last- yeah. Last three. This is Advent Party Crasher American Imperial Stout. Oh, it's an Imperial Stout. I didn't even get that from tasting it. I'm like, oh, um, it's like a porterish. It's a darker, rich, it's got a malt flavor to it, but I wouldn't.
1: It definitely has some smokiness to it.
0: Uh, some of that roasty coffee flavor and a nice sweetness to it. So on the official Clown Shoes website uh, for this beer, they do say special ingredients are mandarin orange, sweet orange peel, and lactose. And they say, who does not love a chocolate orange during the holiday season? We took the base recipe of our wintertime favorite American Imperial Stout Undead Party Crasher and added mandarin orange flavor along with sweet orange peel to add a little splash of citrus. I I get that off of this. It's got that kind of like that orange rind bite on the back. I get that now.
1: Yeah. I never would have put two and two together just drinking it. But now that you say it, I get it. And like I said, this is a
0: take on... It's all
1: their, on the back yeah. end.
0: Yeah. It's like just like that orange rind like that orange zest. Um, this is only available in this pack, though. This isn't something that they've put out any other way, so I think that's why it's called the Advent Party Crasher, because it's just something you get in their Advent calendar. Well, that's Not really bad.
2: cool that it's a super special re- release, but now I'm kind of afraid that it's, like, psychosomatic, that this is kind of, like, back masking. That now that you put it in my head that it's there... Now that I taste
1: it now, because before I was um, not getting it, but then you mentioned it, and that's all well, I taste. I was getting the flavor, but I didn't put it as orange. I and know. now I put, I can, I'll put, I put it as that orange rind
0: flavor. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't mind this. Again, it's probably in the middle tier of the other nine beers that we've had from yeah. the twelve beers of Christmas Lake Pack. I don't dislike it. I think it's a strong like three, 3.25. I'm trying to check into it right now. So I'm figuring out what I want to put this at. Um, it's not bad. Over Christmas day, I actually had a couple beers from sideward brewing here in Orlando, Florida. And one of them they had was a orange cinnamon roll inspired sour, and then a cinnamon roll cider, that also had like orange brewed with it. Both of those are really good. And I'm just kind of comparing this to those now because this is probably the closest thing I've had brewed with orange. And it just, it doesn't hold up to those. But again, like those are, you know, semi smaller batch specialty, like limited edition beers.
2: If you're a fan of the undead party crasher and I don't think you should feel like you're missing out by not buying this $25 12-pack just to have this one can. Yeah. I think, okay, the little bit of orange that is there, like I said, like I just mentioned, you kind of have to go hunting for it. It's there if you know you're looking for it, but does it wallop you in the face and like like a party crasher would? No. It's a, it doesn't say, hey, I'm here, crashing the party. It's kind of like a wedding crasher. It's kind of sneaks in. It kind of kind of like just plays along and, you know, might get out on the dance floor, might not. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, right off their description on the website, who doesn't like a chocolate orange this time of year, I don't get a lot of, like, chocolate or orange on this. Like, I think it had, like, a richer, like, chocolate malt on it, and then that like a sweeter orange to it instead of just that orange zest, like kind of bitterness on your tongue. I would lean a little bit heavier into liking this, but it just doesn't have enough of what it says it is to make me be like, yes, this is a chocolate orange Imperial style.
1: Yeah. It's a nice- I think it's nice drinking, but it's not like, it doesn't blow me away. I think it's for 8%. It hides that 8% well, but yeah, it's not my favorite thing I've had out of the pack, but it's not the worst thing.
0: Yeah,
2: it's a nice addition, but not a the sole reason
0: to buy this pack. No, but again, it's this, this pack just has a bunch of different stuff, and I think this is a a decent showing for clown shoes. But there's just, yeah, some better ones in there.
2: <laughs> so on to the news. Let's get out to the news garden, guys. And, uh, news garden, man, it is just <clears throat> filled with uh, corpses. All bad. What happened to the news garden? Why does it look like a new news uh, morgue? Chris, what happened this week? Yeah,
0: um... Couple weeks? Well, it's been a little bit since we had a chance to record. Holidays happen. Uh, luckily, we were able to record all of our 12 days of bag and board watch list, so that was a lot of fun, and I'm actually really glad we got to do those, because... Yeah. It filled in the gaps nicely. Um, but that's why we're wrapping up our 12 beers of Christmas right now and doing our look forward, but... Something that was actually uh, in the news last week now. just happened on... Actually, it's like a week and a half ago. Uh Jeremy Bullock, a British actor, passed away. You might not know his name, but he was the actual on-set actor for Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, th- and then they dubbed over his voice with someone else, and then they later on redubbed over it again with tomorrow Morrison, just for consistency and continuity. Um, and I think the voice actor
1: of Boba Fett also died this year or last year.
0: Let me see. Cause that I'm not sure of
2: Favreau. You better get to work on this book of Boba real quick. They're but killing off the, Boba Fetts.
0: That's kind of the, yeah, he, uh, he died uh, December 25th, 2015. Oh. So it's it's okay. been a few years. Uh, Jason Wingreen. Okay, so they killed Boba
1: Fett
2: kinda... on Christmas. Okay.
0: Okay. But that's kind of <laughs> what struck me as sad about this is we're now getting this resurgence of the Mandalorians and Boba Fett with the Mandalorian and then the recently announced Book of Boba Fett series that I feel like they probably would have reached out to him to... Have some sort of role in that series. It's just like a cameo or just like some sort of chancellor or something. Just to be like, hey, like paying homage to the Boba Fettes and Mandalorians that came before. Uh, so that just kind of made me sad, even though he's someone I don't know what else he's been in, if he has done anything else. But, yeah.
1: Uh, I bet there's a Doctor Who under his belt. Mm.
0: Yeah, a his Doctor name. Who what? Huh? Sorry, you cut off a Doctor Who what?
1: Doctor Who episode.
0: I, I, know. I know. I yeah. know. I was making a joke because he said Doctor know. Who.
2: You're friends with me, John. You should know yeah. how to recognize those kind of jokes.
1: I know, um, but he's really is really going too long. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Um, jokes
0: are supposed to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he does have an extensive IMDb, but it's a lot of TV stuff that's just like. Roles popping up like nothing too too major, so I think yeah, like Boba Fett's probably his his big deal. Not seeing any Doctor Who though. Huh?
2: I do have a question for you, Chris, because uh, and also oh nope,
0: there it is, 1965 <laughs> to 1974 <laughs> Doctor Who seven episodes. Yeah, I knew it. Sorry, I was still scrolling.
2: I had to go way back, but uh, Paul. Chris, you said uh, that, are, are you consider? do you consider that the Book of Boba is going to be something, a spin off series from The Mandalorian and not just the next season of The
1: Mandalorian?
0: Yes, they've already confirmed that. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yep. Oh, I was, I was. John Favreau did it like the next day, like on some early show and they interviewed him about The Mandalorian. Oh.
2: Probably on the. What's, uh, Today's show Good or Good Morning America, more than likely because that's on. Yeah, better. that's the
0: the Disney owned one. Yeah, uh,
2: no, I'm cons- I'm surprised because that that post credits, sorry, spoilers for uh, the very end of the Mandalorian.
0: Or Paul's the- just excited because he finally watched yeah. the end of Mandalorian today, so now he gets to talk about
2: Yesterday. it. Uh, when I saw the Book of Boba December twenty first or <coughs> December twenty twenty one, I'm like, oh, that's the next. It, this makes sense. The Mandos, I forget his name. Jin's, Jin's uh, story is done for a while. They're going to now go, you know, follow this Mandalorian uh, for a season, maybe two. And then maybe we'll get back to uh, the child and, and Jin. Or maybe we'll go to Katie off and, you know, the Night Owls and seeing what they do, you know, with the dark side, See what happens with them.
0: Who I'm sure, we'll talk about all that more later on when we get into the, the look back. Because, yeah, that's all, all stuff that I want. And it's just kind of sad that the original Boba Fett actor is not going to be able to be a part of any of that now. Yeah.
2: But, uh, man, I'm glad that the sad news is done. Nobody else has died, right, Chris? It's-
0: oh, no, because this one... Came across my news feed right before we started recording, but Dawn Wells, the actress best known for playing Marianne on Gilligan's Island, passed away due to complications from uh, COVID-19. She was 82 years old. I haven't watched Gilligan's Island in probably decades now, but this one was kind of like, oh, I was always a Marianne guy. So I kind of posited this question to you before we recorded. Are you guys Marianne or Ginger- Gingerman?
2: i do like the idea of being a ginger man but, uh, <laughs> well
0: i was gonna say like w- watching this show growing up when it was on like nick at night or
3: yeah tv
0: like, land nick tv land yeah you, you you gravitated towards one of those because i mean you weren't going towards on.
2: uh it was also on like uh <coughs> like the upn or whatever weird network it was- you get on
0: it was always in reruns. I mean, there there was a third woman on that island. You also had Mrs. Howell, and if that's your flavor, that's fine.
3: She had money.
0: <laughs> she had money. Paul,
2: <laughs> did so you want Paul's- her to
1: take you shopping?
3: No.
2: Paul's made his weird. pick. Note: going to take me shopping? <laughs> <laughs> no. I was definitely a Marianne. Anne. Uh, boy, uh, just because that girl next door, the the the, the Tom girl. The tomboy uh, girl. She was so relatable. Yeah. I've always been more attracted to, you know, uh, natural beauty as it is. Or, you know, the girl next door. Somebody that would be able to play. You know, and people like Ginger uh, seem like they're not going to play and have fun. They're just going to be mean. <laughs> I'm afraid
1: of predict people. I am. I'm just pretty people, and I'm kind of afraid of them. Men and that's women. why you're fine. You're fine with being friends with us. You guys are just on the cusp of not being pretty enough.
0: Wow, we just we just made the cutoff. Thanks, you thanks know, for that.
2: You guys are pretty darn pretty, <laughs> but I'm still com- I'm still okay.
0: We're just not married I, and pretty. I get it. I get it.
1: I look like a movie star. What are you talking about? You were any prettier, I I would have a hard time. To it. <clears throat> uh, but I'm a Marianne fan. Uh, I think it was, that was probably one of my first like TV crushes when I was a kid. Like that was like I was like, oh, I'd like to give her a big hug. Well, that's all <laughs> I got.
3: <Yeah.
1: laughs> I mean, you just
2: gave us time to prepare, and I really had nothing. And then he threw, a, he threw me a, a curveball with a whole ginger ginger man, and I'm like, "That's fun, ginger man."
0: That's fun. I mean, I like I said, I I prepped you. Didn't prep me.
1: couldn't handle it. I was just looking forward to Paul's like answer in the text message. No, nope, that <laughs> nope, and that's
0: things. fine. Um <laughs> But moving on, it's a little bit slow news week. It is the holiday season, so there's not a lot of stuff coming out. The other news story that I had that I thought was kind of actually worth, like, just bringing up a little bit is um, we did get the HBO Max character breakdowns for the Green Lantern series that's going to be coming out. And it actually confirms that more recent Green Lantern, Simon Baz and Jessica Cruz, are actually going to be the main characters of the show. Now, for a while, it's actually been theorized and supposed that it was going to be something of an ensemble cast where it was going to actually be, I feel bad calling them this, but, like, the main Green Lanterns, like the Guy Gardners, Hal Jordans, Kyle Rainers, Sean Stewart, so the DC Universe as the stars, I really like the fact that they're kind of going this route, though, with Simon and Jessica, because... Green Lanterns is one of my like favorite Green Lantern comic books. And I'm sorry that that ended and we got the Grant Morrison Green Lantern, like season one and season two, because that, that felt more like a Green Lantern book where it's like, you know, the two people kind of thrown into the role, like overcoming their like personal differences and their personalities to fulfill that role. I think this could be a really cool show. Yeah, if it's done right, I definitely think it could
1: be uh, a really good show. Um, I'd, I'd like to see how they're gonna do costumes. Um, just in general, like, are they gonna be real or digital or how they're gonna do them? Um, and I definitely like to see how they, are they gonna have those other lanterns in the series? Because you know they're going to want to do some type of spin-off, so you might have those lanterns show up, and then they do everything in space, and the other lanterns do everything on Earth. You know, it could be something like that that happens, or are you going to see other core members? Like, I'm interested to see where it's going to go.
0: This article over on comicbookmovie.com does go on to kind of shed some light on that, because there will be other core members popping up. Um, two big Green Lantern names, and then just kind of some lesser core. Uh, Guy Gardner, but then also Alan Scott. Okay. And it seems like it's more like the Earth 2 Alan Scott because they refer to him as white male, 28 years old. Oh. So now the, uh, the Outsman. Well, from the outside, Allen is the model of the 1940s, the image of a G-Man. Allen is handsome, clean-shaven, and well-dressed without a hair, with a hair out of place. He has spent his young life trying to personify truth, justice, and the American way. He is already a household name in L.A. and is seen as a hero thanks to positive press coverage. However, for all of Allen's honesty, there's one huge lie that follows him. He is a gay man, a fact that in his era could cost him his job or even his life. So we might be getting some kind of like flashback stuff, which
3: okay,
2: which could yeah, be cool. Definitely seems like a flashback thing to be like during his time. So, Oh, uh, yeah, that is interesting. I, I do feel like uh, since this is a streaming show, maybe we are missing going to be missing that sweeps week big <coughs> event, like mid series, like mid series finale. Like, oh, we gotta sh- we gotta bring in Hal Jordan for like these these two episodes for sweeps because uh the best episodes in smallville were always like the mid-season finale and then the episode right afterwards and maybe one more episode after that and then it would get to be you know just smallville again and then see uh, season finale oh leading into the season premiere those two
0: yeah a lot of smallville was pretty bad
2: <laughs> a lot of smallville was pretty bad and but you would have like a good six episodes per
0: season it was. And that show ran for like seven, eight seasons. Yeah, almost, I think maybe ten. I don't
3: know. Oof.
0: Well, uh, yeah,
2: this, I don't know. hey, Supernatural just ended at what, 20 something? I have no idea. Yeah, but
0: people seem to actually like that show. Yeah. That's the difference.
1: <laughs> um, speaking about uh, DC stuff, I'm trying to find the article. I was but, just trying to buy you time because I saw you researching, yeah. <laughs> um, I did come across an article that I read that a lot of DC writers and artists um, found out when they haven't been, that they hadn't been paid because they were the ones working on the DC, um, it was the Dan D'O thing, the G5 Five, or uh, whatever? 5G. 5G? Because? That all those books got scrapped and so they were waiting for paychecks from what they did do with those, but they've like, never got paid, and then they realized that they also no longer have jobs at DC, because they never got hired on for anything else. So that's kind of, like, some bullshit that happened for some DC people right uh, right before Christmas.
2: I don't understand, because 5G, because it seemed like just such an awful kind of play, because Time Warner got bought out by AT&T. So, five, you know, everything's going to be 5G. Uh, this is in the fifth generation of DC universe. So, how's that different than Future State,
0: which is coming? Uh, out? F- Future State is what five G was like because they had so much work done on it that then it all got canned and DiDio was forced out. That they had all this work done that they're like, well, we we have these pages in hand. Like, what can we do with it?
1: So why one? When- so I don't understand. So I guess they're getting paid that. for that. I, I maybe, maybe it's that they, what they did and handed in is being worked, but they're no longer. They were set to be on a continuing series, okay. Cause, and now they're
0: let go from that. Because so, from what I, I can couldn't remember, find the article to 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 get everything down. It, it seemed like the five G was going to be the next in like final alternate. Like yes, this is. This is the DC universe. Like everything that came before was lead up, and now we're hitting that reset button again. But this is, this is it for real. Um, but now it seems like Future State's just kind of one of those like DC right. Year One Million, where it's like, oh, fun glimpse into the future. What's going to carry forward? What's going to matter? Time will tell. Type things.
2: And usually, the people that tell us are the Legion of superheroes. They show up later on. It's like, oh yeah. That was just a weird time anomaly because of something that happened. <laughs> and that wasn't the actual picture.
0: Uh, I will say, I just finally sat down and read the Brian Michael Bendis uh, Young Justice trade paperback. And that's actually kind of fun because it kind of deals with the fact that the Teen Titans and Young Justice and Outsiders have been constantly like reset. So now it's like, I don't remember this stuff, but I, this all happened, right? So I don't know, maybe that was some sort of lead-up to 5G, or we'll see some sort of remnants in future state, but yeah. Anything else? I think that's news.
1: And our next beer is uh, Happy Feet, Black IPA. Happy Feet. Happy Feet. Yep, you're right. I <laughs> know, yeah. I'm looking at it on the website. <clears throat> and, uh, this is a really nice black IPA. I took, you get a nice. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I took yeah. some big gulps, and uh, yeah, then it punches you in.
2: You know, afterwards, it's not a big, uh, uh big upfront flavor, but nice
0: finish. Yeah, yeah, it's got a nice, nice kind of roasty, ho- roasty uh, piney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hoppy feet. They're seven <clears> percent <throat> ABV black IPA. Special ingredients. Black and Crystal Malt, Columbus, Amarillo, and Simcoe Hops. And uh, facts about this one. Hoppy Feet was Clown Shoes' first ever release. A black IPA that made little sense as a launching point for a brand, but satisfied a thirst and set us on a path that 10 years uh, later we are forever grateful for. Black malts deliver deep, rich malt uh, roast flavor, while Simcoe, Columbus, and Amarillo Hops continue to perfectly balance dose of piney hop notes. Um... I took a sniff of this and I was like, okay, yeah, this smells like what I used to love about black IPAs when you could get them from every brewery. That was kind of like our go to beer style, like a few years ago when we were like a little bit more hardcore about like just like going out to breweries together and finding stuff. Um, I, I really like this. It's got the perfect amount of like that roastiness and like that little bit of like piney hop. Yeah. On it. This is, uh,
1: a well balanced black IPA. This definitely ticks all the boxes for me when I'm having a black IPA. Um, no, it's, it's really, it's really good. And I feel like I have had this before, like years ago. I th- like, I feel like I had it at like uh, the, <coughs> the Walker, Walker Center pizza plant. Like
0: I, again, it's been years since we've had the Ithaca Excelsior 14, but I would say if this had a little bit fuller mouthfeel to it, this might be a good stand-in. Because mm-hmm. that was our favorite beer for a couple years until all the bottles just started to finally turn and lose lose that spark.
1: Yeah. I do have, no, this is great.
2: I, I do wonder, since this was their first release, whether or not the uh, name Hoppy Feet came first and then they named their brewery Clown Shoes, or if they always knew they were going to be called Clown Shoes. And then they named it Hoppy P. I
1: he- I think they were planning on clown shoes. And then they named the beer after it. Hmm. Okay. I'm just, you know, trying to propose <coughs> a chicken and egg kind of Paul scenario. or uh, Chris, you're on the website. Is there FAQ for them to
0: uh, uh, let us know? I, I'm actually scrolling through trying to find something about that.
1: Oh, really?
2: I,
0: I Yeah. I was just...
2: You're being very Paul? Yeah, I was just looking for, you know, just a nice discussion between us. I don't
1: actually need an answer. You
2: know, it's like one that's just like, hey, what do you think? You know, kind of just looking for gut reaction. I don't...
1: Hey, what do you think? You a ginger or Marianne, man? <laughs> yeah. A ginger man? A <laughs> <Or> Marianne
0: man. <laughs> um, so it turns out that it all started when Greg Berman, founder and CEO of the brand, brewed a small batch of Hoppy Feet, Black Eye, P black IPA with Ipswich Ale Brewing, also located in Massachusetts. The offering was well-received around Boston, prompting Berman to collaborate with head brewer Dan Lipke to develop and trial additional beers. Uh, The the innovative takes on existing styles, such as Josh the Guava King, a double IPA IPA brewed with guava puree. Uh, So it sounds like the beer came first, and then they named it Clown Shoes.
1: Very cool. Well, it's a good thing you asked the question, Paul.
2: We all learned something, isn't that nice? And we, I, I can't wait to learn what you guys are looking forward to buying uh, and reading <coughs> on January <clears> twenty twenty one. I forgot what six. The,
0: the six. It's January like Oprah.
1: 2021. Twenty twenty one. Twenty <laughs> twenty uh, one. I'm looking forward to a book. That I've never cared about before, and that is Eternals Number One. And the only reason I'm picking this up is because there is going to be a movie. Uh, but because Kieran Gillian is writing it, and art is gonna be by Essep Ribic, And um two two people that I enjoy I enjoy the writing. I absolutely love uh Ribick's artwork. And um, putting the two together, I hope this is going to come out or at least make me understand
0: maybe why I should like the Internals. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that to happen. Like, I've never read a book where they've been in it or appeared in it, and I'm like, oh, yes, I I get the draw.
2: I felt yeah. like we were the same way about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like We read a couple... There was the Brian Michael Bendis issue that we read,
0: and maybe some we, I, I know we definitely read some of the Abnett and Lanning stuff.
2: Yeah. But that was basically it. Like, it wasn't like we were Guardians <coughs> of the Galaxy fans. But, man, the, that movie is in our, like, all of our top fives,
0: right? Uh, I believe so. I, I could click over. I but I think you're already doing that, so.
2: Yeah, okay. Guardians is in my one, two, three, four, five. My five. It's John's number two, and it is your number five, Chris. So. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, but that being said, though, what? I am looking forward to the Eternals yeah. movie because I noticed at this point, I mean, downstairs. almost like 12 years in, we know that sure. you. the MCU can deliver engaging I mean, enough stories that make camera? us care about these characters. Yeah, so, thing best case scenario, we like the movie but okay. we still don't feel anything for the book, which I feel like carries through with other stuff like Black Panther or... Guardians of the Galaxy, even to to go back to that.
1: So yeah, I, I still don't think I found a Guardians of the Galaxy comic book that I like as much as I do with the movies. Can't
2: understand that, Chris? What do you like? <laughs> uh, I, I like comic books. I hope you like me. Yes. Of course I do, my Paul. My internal voice at all times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've discussed this before. I'm a middle child. I'm always looking for validation.
1: And my inner voice sounds like Mickey. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm a simple man, guys. Chris's like Mickey Star is better Wars, than John's And I like comic books. Uh, I'm looking forward to a Star Wars comic book coming out. And this is going to be Star Wars The High Republic number 1, written by Kevin Scott, with art by Ario and Andito? Um, not familiar with his artwork, not familiar with the writer, but this is actually going to be a story told in the heyday of the Republic and the Jedi. Uh, I think we're going to see kind of that pride before the fall. And I think this is going to be kind of filling in that chapter before we wind up getting into the darker stuff with something like the Disney streaming, the acolyte leading us into the stuff that we got with this, uh, the Skywalker saga. So, it's a brand new canon era of Star Wars, and I'm excited for this, especially because this was teased last year at a Star Wars Celebration where it's like full-on <coughs> media blitz where we're getting the comics, we're getting novels, we're getting junior novels for kids that are all kind of outlining this era of the Jedi that we haven't really seen in the current New official continuity. Like, they've touched on this stuff previously in past canon, but now that's all, like, quote unquote, legend. So, it happened, but it didn't actually happen. So, they can allude to things, but it doesn't have, ever carry any weight.
2: Uh, I'm a big fan of the Old Republic series of video games and, you know, Revan, Darth Revan. Uh, and, and there's uh, big rumors that this series is basically how. Kinda of like how uh, Rebels uh brought in Grand uh Moff Tarkin or not Tarkin. Um Grand Admiral Thrawn. Grand Admiral Thrawn into the new continuity okay. or the new canon. I'm hoping that the High Republic does what Rebels did for Thrawn uh does for Revan and uh some of the other canon from the old republic that we you know, we had before.
0: And I haven't finished it yet, but I really dug that Thrawn comic from. Uh, was it Charles Soule that did it? Mm-hmm. Charles Soule does most of the Star Wars. Because uh, because that was solid, and I think he just completely nailed the voice of that character. But yeah, uh, this is definitely something that I will be bringing to the table for the January look back. So I look forward to reading this. And I look forward to talking about it. Nice
2: talking about yes. Charles Soule writing a Star Wars book. Hey! I'm, uh, reading, uh... Synergy! I'm reading part two of Star Wars Operation Starlight, codenamed The Rebel Code. Uh, this is picking up after one of my last picks, uh, back in December. Uh, where, the Dameron... I forget his first name, but basically Poe Dameron. Poe? No. (coughs) His dad. Uh... Papa Poe? Papa Poe. Thank you. Papa Poe, uh... Uh, Pops off on a heist and steals a droid from an Imperial uh, museum on Coruscant in order to, so the rebels can make a new code because the Empire has broken their code. So now Luke Skywalker has to go out on a mission to basically get this droid back up and operational so that the uh, rebels can actually communicate between each other because if they send codes right now, they basically let the Empire know where they are and also where the rebel cell they're talking to is. So That's the problem.
0: Uh, I was going to say, it'd be fun if it was K2SO, but timeline-wise, they've already had K2SO in because it seems like this series takes place during Empire or at the beginning of Empire, so yeah. But that could have been a fun way.
2: I think this is happening right after Empire, before they set up their operations
0: on Fallout. But to tie in everything that we were just talking about with Star Wars comic books and then beer, uh, when I checked into Hoppy Feet on Untapped, I actually unlocked a badge, which was the Dark Side Level 2, which the badge itself is the Imperial logo, and then it has two lightsabers crossed, but the lightsaber hilts are beer bottles, so it's all interconnected, guys. Synergy
2: All Star Wars all Synergy All Star Wars, all the time Nice uh, Play Star Wars Squadrons It's a lot of fun <laughs> Synergy
0: <laughs> But yeah Do we Do we want to take a minute Before we move on to The next beer Or do we want to jump into The next beer After we start the main topic Because We do have one Let's... more Or maybe two more Beers to get through For the show Doesn't Doesn't something happen Before all that though And now, a
1: dramatic reading from Firepower, number 5, page 20, panel 4.
2: Um, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, where are you taking me?
1: And that was a dramatic reading from Firepower, number 5, page 20, panel 4. And you know what I just
0: realized?
2: That I didn't have that, that loaded up on my computer at all and I had
1: to hurry up and get it.
0: No, the last episode where we lost Paul's audio track, he did the dramatic reading for it. Uh. So we never updated the doc. So technically Paul wasn't supposed to do this one. But hey Paul, you got some you got some screen time okay. on this one.
2: Hopefully the artist also enjoys like <laughs> the the Instagram post. Uh, uh, so, hopefully, like, Chris Somney enjoys this Instagram post of us doing that for Matt Freed. Yes. I have to say, it was a nice picture of Taskmaster. <laughs> it was
0: <laughs> I can't remember the artist's name, but yeah, he, he liked the post about it. And that's going to bring us to the final beer from the 12 Beers of Christmas from Clown Shoes Brewing. And this is their Galactica Double IPA 8% uh, ABV. Special ingredients are Citra, Galaxy, Eldorado, and Mangerina hops. And they say dry hopped with Galaxy hops. This double IPA balances a hop profile of light bitterness and notes of tropical fruits, citrus, and pine with a clean malt backbone. And to all that, I have to say, yeah, this is a, it's a drinkable IPA. There's, there's nothing really stand out about it that makes me be like, oh, yeah, let me, let me keep going back. Like, We've been talking for a little while off air. I think I've maybe taken like three sips of this and I completely forgot about how it tasted until we just got back into this. And I was like, oh, I should probably try this beer before we start talking. I was like, no, I have a little bit of film here. Like I've tried it before, but it just there's nothing that really sticks with me about it. But it's not bad. I'm about halfway through.
1: Go ahead,
2: Paul. Uh, it's. I think it's got a really nice, bright, piney flavor. It's not that dank. It's not uh, wet hopped, but it's a bright pine, old school IPA. I like think what when we were first trying to get into IPAs, this is something that I think would have made me think, "Hey, this is one that I actually like." It's it's not over re- overly resiny but it's got a little It's bit. a resiny enough. Yeah. It's got enough there to but to remain a light crisp. With a little bit of that bitterness IPA and I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a great palate cleanser after all those multi beers that we just had. It just like
1: hey. Yeah.
0: It's a pick-up. me So it definitely <coughs> pairs well with the black IPA. I have had this one once before and I checked into it as a 2.5. I I don't think I can raise that score, though. It's it's drinkable, yes, but I think there's other just base IPAs that I like a lot more than this.
2: Oh, guys, I'm giving all of these beers fours across the <laughs> board. These were all great. Of course these you are. These were decent and good. Like, I wouldn't mind having <coughs> any of these beers again.
0: So, uh, I think, yeah, like, just, like, wrap oh, up oh, for I don't think this. I John actually
2: talked about this beer oh, at all. Sorry. I kept on interrupting him. If that's what I do yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh i I like this beer um I've kind of come full circle with like the juicy hazy beers and the big juice bombs that like I've kind of gotten like palate fatigue from them, so I've kind of come around that I'm really enjoying the little bit of nice bitter brightness as you said paul like of i p a so i'm I am really liking this beer
0: i mean i know we've drank 11 beers before this one over the past month i don't know if i could put this over and just looking through the list like one through 11 the uh, yeehaw double dry hopped ipa the reindeer games bavarian ipa the space cake double ipa which i really enjoyed that one um bubble farm ipa eagle Clawfish ipa which that one i really enjoyed as well they had a quad. Um, I don't. Know, I. I don't think this is the beer to end the pack on though. See, I like. I like it. I. I have
1: no problem ending my ending the beer on it. See, I. I would think that they would end it
2: with that Advent Party Crasher because that's like that's the a one special specialty one. beer. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry if you already said that, Chris. I no, I was there. saying it alongside you because I'm like, yeah, that would that would make sense or like. Maybe even the uh, pecan pie porter that they had is like a dessert beer, just like hey, it's like the sweet end. Like because ideally you would be drinking these in the lead up to Christmas. I don't feel like this would be a Christmas beer.
2: Yeah, I think this is a, would have been better placed as their first or second beer in the pack, like
1: because this is their, this is like what I assume is just the one in stand the by. somewhere in their middle. Yeah, like a Chris, counter. I gave. Mm-hmm. I gave this um, July 14th, 2015, I gave this a 2.5, mm-hmm. but I would definitely give it a 3.25.
0: That's okay. I'm going to I'm gonna toast myself. You can to toast it. yourself and amp that score up. I would guys. give it a
2: 4. <laughs> Guess look it up. See if I rated it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. <I'm>, you didn't. <laughs> you, you never check it in anything. But guys, nope. it's time to take a look back. Not just at the beers that we drank over five years ago. But to the beers and <laughs> comics and movies that we watched over the year 2020, uh, since we just talked about beer, do we want to save that to the end, or do you want to just like keep going through with your favorite yeah. beers for the years?
1: Let's, uh, let's save the beer for the end, and we're <coughs> a comic book podcast, so why don't we talk about our comic books? All right. Let's... Our top three favorite books that we read this year. And we're
2: counting from three up to one. Right? I'm, Correct. That's, I'm okay That's how that, we've yeah. done it for 11 years. Yeah, but everybody's episode is their first episode, and sometimes it's <laughs> yeah. even my first episode. So I'm going to go first. Guys, X Factor. It's back.
0: <laughs> Did you buy the book? I bought one of the Did books. Did you? you know, okay.
2: <laughs> we read it, remember? Long Shot was in it, and somebody might have died.
1: Long
0: Shot wasn't in
1: it? <laughs> Who was it? No, it was um, North Star. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. North that's
0: North why it's his number three book because Longshot wasn't in it. <laughs> it's I, I just I just looked up his review of it on uh, some other comic book news website, and he was like third favorite book of the year because Longshot's not in it. <laughs> also, I just bought number three randomly. I don't know. That seems like a thing he would
2: do. <laughs> Many eyes. You know, uh, uh, he would buy number eight. This is a book that's getting back to its roots. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's my bit. That's all I got. Somebody else got.
1: Uh my my uh my number three is gonna be uh The Last God by Philip Kennedy Johnson and art by Ricardo Fedrique. Um this was a really good fantasy book. Um I thought the art was great in it. Um The issues are expensive. I bought the the first 3 and read them and then I also picked up um they did like a one-off issue that I picked up too. Um the books the issues are 4.99. So after reading the 3, I was like I'm going to wait and see what the trade looks like and I'll buy the trade. The trade they're at issue 11 they still haven't put out a trade yet. I don't know if they put it out in like physical format, hardback, and that's how they did it because the art and style that they were doing, I don't know. Um, but I really, really like the book. I'm waiting to be able to buy a collected issue of it. And now that they're at 11, I thought, well, maybe they're going to put out like a 12 issue trade, which I would buy. Um, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this book.
0: Nice. Uh, my number three is actually going to be the Joker Warzone crossover that we got from DC Comics with uh, the Batman family. Uh, I have become something of a lapsed Batman fan. I used to read Batman and Detective Comics. Then I dropped Batman and just kept up on Detective Comics. But even then, I've kind of fallen off. Like, I'll go back and, like, buy. Big chunk, like back catalog of Detective Comics, and I'll read like a whole story arc, and I'll be like, okay, like I enjoyed that. Let me get the next arc. Oh, those issues are still like two ninety nine a piece. It's going to cost me like fifteen bucks for all. Like, no, I'll I'll come back later when they're like a dollar ninety nine. But Joker Warzone actually kind of really gripped me, and I read most of this crossover. I didn't buy a lot of the ancillary books, but it had enough of what I liked about those Batman crossovers growing up, like your uh, Batman Cataclysm, your Bruce Wayne murder, Bruce Wayne Fugitive, Contagion. There's enough of that here where you're seeing those different aspects of the Bat family come in to this bigger threat that this is really what I like and miss about Batman comics, because you don't get a lot of that in the Batman book proper, and maybe that's why I like reading Detective Comics, because it is that teen book. You are seeing that Bat Family. Um, yeah, that's why. That's my m- number three. Yeah, Paul, no, you are the Paul. the bracket and picking well, normally, master. Do we do we loop back through now?
2: Yeah, loop do, back through.
0: Yeah, <coughs> um, my number two, and this is because I've only been able to read the first issue of this because the second one hasn't come out yet, and it's still not street dated until February. But this is IDW Publishing's. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, uh, sold as an oversized book, tells the story of a somewhat murky future, like we're in kind of like post apocalyptic city where there's only one Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle left who's on a quest for vengeance for his fallen brothers. We talked about this for the show. I really dug this book and I can't wait to read number two. It just sucks that it's like four months between publishing. Uh, written by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the original creators of the Teenage Mutant Turtles, who kind of became estranged from each other, but then did get back together, uh, and and this is the story that they're telling. So if it's good enough to bring back the guys that created the Ninja Turtles, it's good enough for me.
1: Uh, yeah, I- this is <coughs> this was one. This is one that I thought about putting on my list too, but it was the single issue that had come out. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to be that guy. That's just going to pick something randomly and not know who the characters are in the book. Uh, because I read the one issue at one point and doesn't seem like I paid attention to it. Uh, but I did really enjoy this book and it is something that I want to finish the series. I want to finish where they're going to go with this. Paul, it was a lot of fun. The book.
2: Uh, My number two is Stan Slott, bringing back the Marvel First Family with Fantastic Four. I feel like this is actually the book that should have come out right after Jonathan Hickman's run on Fantastic Four. This is uh, brought the family, you know, literally back to the Marvel Universe uh, because they were lost out in space for a time. And I think Dan really understands how to write this family really well, and he's still picking up stuff that was in the Hickman run, where Valeria really sees you know Victor Von Doom as her uncle, like estranged uncle, and she's willing to do what she thinks is right behind everybody else's back, and uh, Reed is kind of loose still and just trying to get things done, and hopes. He seems. He's, Reed is always the character that is going to ask for uh, forgiveness rather than permission, and we see that like up with Valeria. And um, I don't know. I just always enjoyed the Fantastic Four. They're bringing back some big cosmic weird stuff with this Forever Gate, and I, I'm here for it.
0: So, it I I did enjoy that book when we read it for look back last
3: month. I think. Yeah. Two months ago?
1: Been <coughs> two months ago. I've read I think Did you got three issues? issues now. Yeah. yeah. Two or three
2: issues. I I know I've read then the one following it, and then I'm, I still might have to pick up the third one.
1: Uh so my number two is something that didn't come out this year, but I read it this year. Uh and this is Black Sad. Uh, oh, this yeah. is the juan Diaz canals and juano Garridrino uh following a what is it four detective stories following the the same detective in each one and um, this was just something that it could have it could have gone really bad or could have gone really good and it it went really good and this is just that thing that I still, like, there's a, on the PlayStation store, there's a game that I thought about buying, but I didn't want it to ruin how I felt about the book. And, um, I bought all the other trades and I'm waiting for just a moment where I can sit down and, and read the rest of the series. Um, but yeah, this is something that I wasn't expecting to like as much as I did and, um, really, really love the series.
2: Was a really good read that first trade, and it was surprising <laughs> how well that I enjoyed each of the stories within it. Like, and it moved, each story well, I, moved, and I'm like, felt like I got a good
0: trade worth of story from each each story. each story. And that was one of those books that when we sat down to read it, because Johnny had bought this a while ago, so it was one of those things that I was constantly aware of, like being in your collection that know i could dip my toes into if i wanted to check it out i wasn't prepared for it to be like a crime noir book based off of the the cover which is just like a close-up of black Sad's face where he he looks like a cat he's a giant anthropomorphic cat like that's what the face is uh but each one of those chapters that you get they're all so different from the ones that come before that each new chapter When I turn the page, I'm like, oh, there's another one. Okay. I got excited for it. And they were all so different and they all delivered on something that I wasn't expecting or prepared for. And the fact that it's something that we finally just read that had been published years ago that was reprinted from something that came out, like, was it like 12 years before that? Like, that was something like that. Impressive that we we really did sleep on this because it was absolutely fantastic.
2: In French, because it's yeah. a French book translated into English, but it deals with, like, nineteen, early 1950s, late 1940s Americana, and they just slap animals on it. So, I always enjoy the, like,
0: outsider's view of America. I thought you were going to say you always enjoy slapping animals, and I'm like, whoa, Paul. <laughs> Michael Vick much? That's a dated reference. I don't know what's up with it's him, but is he's still like terrible, is, right? So. Like, we're all in agreement? Yeah, oh like, yeah. that's... Okay, yeah. good. Still carries weight.
2: I-
1: hey, guys, he didn't know it was bad.
0: <laughs> uh, let me just tie the dog up to the rape stick. How How is that a part of your daily life? Anyways, <laughs> Paul, who goes
1: next? Uh, I, I would I go next. Okay. So John would go. Uh, so my number one is probably the book I've read the most. I've read six issues. I've read
0: a trade. We're all reading uh, it. I, I did not want to take one. this even though it was like my first initial thought to be like, oh, this this book, it has to be on the list. Hey,
1: you can, sh- you can share this book. bought it. Uh,
0: and that is uh, Firepower
1: by uh, Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney. Uh, this Kung Fu Story... Uh, captured the heart of the Bagden Board Boys. Not the first issue, though. The trade and then subsequently the rest of the series. Uh, and subsequently is not a word that I'm aware of, oh. but I used it twice. It right uh,
2: might be the episode title.
1: It'll be a <laughs> word. It'll be a word as in our episode title. Um, And like when we talked about the books coming out for the list this week, Paul was like and number seven's coming out, John. I was like, what? I'm aware, Paul. Uh-huh. But I'm going to try to pick something new so I don't, every month, don't talk about firepower. Uh But great... I, it, everything is just running on all cylinders. The writing is great in this book. The art works and flows perfectly. And there's so many little twists and turns coming up. Like, I sat down I think it was like The weekend before Christmas, I don't, I don't remember, but I sat down and read the last three issues because I, I, I forgot that I hadn't read them. And then I texted Chris and was like, Firepower is so good. And Chris was like, I know, I gotta keep reading them. But I was just like, it's one of those things that I kind of like stacking them and then, and binging them. I did the same thing with Saga. I'd get like six and six issues bought and then I'd sit down and read them.
2: This, after reading the first issue and then reading the first pre-series trade, I'm like, oh, this series is going to be a trade for me. Like, every time that it comes out in a trade or John lets it stack up and, Paul oh, read it now so we can all talk about it, I'm going to read it. And that's why it's my number one as well. <laughs> and I think it's going to be Chris's number one.
0: It uh, it's it's not because I what? I knew John was going to pick it So oh. I, I picked another book But yeah, Firepower would be my overall number one When we take all of our picks into account Because again, these are all books that we've all sat down to read together We've discussed for the show uh, But my personal number one Not my number one for the show as a whole Is actually coming from Boom Studios uh, Written by Tom Taylor I don't have it open here Nicole uh, someone like Scott. No, it's not Nicole. I'm I'm no, I'll find it. I'll find it while I'm doing this. Um, but this is actually seven secrets. And I think it's apropos that John, you mentioned saga because this hits me kind of in the same, like funny bone that saga got me. This one, I'm not as big a Tom Taylor fan as I am Brian K Vaughn. I'm not into Secret Society's Illuminati as much as I am, like weird, funky sci-fi. But I think at their core, it's, they're both interesting stories told by a character brought up in bizarre, extenuating circumstances that they didn't plan for. And then the, their families didn't care for. And how do you make life go forward from there? That it's hard for me not to equate these two. I think Saga is a better book, but I have been waiting for these to stack up. And it wasn't until you were talking about firepower where you're like, I just got to sit down and read them all. And I was like, yeah, I have like three issues of uh, Seven Secrets that I need to pick up and read. So I just bought them all. And Friday when I'm off, that's probably what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit down on my Porsche, going to grab a tasty, delicious beer and just enjoy reading the story of Casper and his secret society family that he can't know who's charged with protecting the seven biggest secrets in the world from a rival secret organization that's trying to steal them
1: this would have been my number four I actually think I probably would have picked this over um old gods Mm. Only the fact that I, I think you only have like the first two. Yeah, I only had the first two,
0: but I just bought like the next three.
1: And it was just that like oh, I've read more of God, so I'm gonna pick that over this because this was definitely. I went into I went into your account, Chris, to go through and see like what you had bought that I liked. I thought about doing with Paul, but I was like, mm, no. Mm-hmm.
0: He's, he's, it's all it's all X Factor in random <laughs> issues of Star Wars comic books. <laughs> Literally. It is. Uh, uh, Art by Danielle Dinaculo. Th- that's probably I was thinking Nicola Dinaculo. So, yes.
1: Uh, but no, this was a really <laughs> great series and like I said, this would be my my number four. This is my you know uh, R-
0: Runner-up, honorable mention.
1: Runner Yeah, honorable mention. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah, it was a great. It was a. It was
0: a really good series. I I, I really it dig it. Like it's just so bright and energetic, and I that really resonated with me.
2: What was the series that was about the guy that was going to try to kill the king of lies or king of secrets?
0: Oh, um, and then like he goes. Was that the, the Jonathan Batman. Hickman one where he's his family's been like besmirched? Yeah. So like, that, like,
1: Seven to Eternity. Oh seven to Seven to, seven to okay. Eternity. I couldn't remember okay, if that was the title or when not. When you said uh
2: Seven Secrets, I'm like, Oh yeah, that book was great. But I was thinking of seven and two eternity, and then as you're talking about it, I'm like,
1: oh, okay, yeah, no, no. I that
2: Seven Secrets was good too. I
0: that forgot about that book, but as soon as you mentioned it, I'm like, that that would be my runner up because now I'm like, Oh, I do want to read more about that because that was really interesting.
2: Yeah. That's that's probably my runner up for right the year. Is seven to eternity.
0: Yeah,
1: seven was good. So, it's got, I think it's got a conclusion, and I think there's like three or four trades. That
2: would be great if it finishes. I'm more excited about it, especially if it finishes like
0: so within I, three trades. I just, I just want to correct myself. Um, written by Rick Remender, art by Jerome Pena. But it seems like a Hickman book because it's weird space sci-fi yeah. stuff. So, but yeah. also Hickman can go there too. So yeah.
2: As we've seen with Thor. So, uh, yeah, so we're all in agreement. Fagnum Boardcast, number one book of 2020. Or, I'm sorry, 2020. Uh, Firepower. Firepower, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. Number two would be Seven Secrets.
0: Or is there, guys- um, I really did like Seven Secrets, but now I'm like, man, I want to see more of what's up with Seven to Eternity. <laughs> well, I don't I was, know. It was, was a gonna, really engaging I story. I call that our
2: number three. Yeah, okay.
0: I've, I support that decision, yeah.
2: Okay, so what's our number two? Uh,
0: seven Secrets. Black, I, Black Sand? Sad. Oh, Black Sad. Black Sad, Black okay. Sad
2: is our number two. I, I don't feel but bad. But then Black I, Widow I,
0: has to be the number four because just the discussion that it sparked with Paul's ocean o- rules. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, there we go. I- I- I'm happy with that list. So we got firepower, Black Sad, Seven to Eternity, Black Widow.
0: Sure. <laughs>
2: <coughs> and then Seven Secrets. So sorry, no teenage mutant. S- oh, Last
0: Ronin was really solid, but it's it's hard yeah. because we only read one issue of that, yeah. and while it was like a double size issue, because I think it was like forty some pages.
2: And then Fantastic Four is probably in, like, six or seven.
0: But that's fine. No, I did enjoy Fantastic Four. There's a lot going I on did, with i did I did as well. And it was a lot going on with it that I liked, opposed to a lot of other Fantastic Fours, where there's a lot going on with it, where it's just like, well, no, this is just too much. And it was the yeah. bringing in of, like, that kind of, like, Fantastic Four reserve family that I really liked seeing. Because it's <laughs> like, well, you guys are Fantastic Four. Like... Handle this,
3: they
0: <laughs> get wiped out. Uh, um, I before we move on, I do want to say I could probably go for another beer.
2: I could
0: go for another beer as
2: well, but I haven't finished any of these beers. But I'll you don't, crack one you open. You don't have to, yeah, Paul.
0: I'll crack
1: one open. It's and, uh, yeah, you you don't have to finish. I have, I, We're not peer pressure. I'm late. not. I'm not gonna finish advent calendar, and I've been alternating between the two
0: IPAs. So yeah. Okay, well, we'll, uh, we'll do soft pause and then come back for the next final beer. Final beer, so Paul doesn't have to worry, and then uh, we'll head into the next part of our 2020 look back. So, like we kind of prepped off with, we have one more beer we're going to be talking about tonight, and this is actually something that I picked up here in Florida and sent to both John and Paul, so we could have a beer for the show. And this is coming from Hidden Springs Aleworks, and this is their I Am the Walrus. And this is a Berliner Weiss style with plum, bourbon-soaked oak chips. Um, I I didn't look at all of the can. I don't know what the ABV is. Um, but yeah, I saw this at my local beer store. We get some stuff from Hidden Springs. We don't get everything that they wind up putting out because... Sorry, what was that, Paul? You can say it.
2: It's 5.5. 5.5, 5.
0: 5. okay. So it's a little bit light, lighter, boy, compared to everything else you've had on the show. Thank goodness. Um, but anytime I see something from Hidden Springs, I just think back to the times that we were able to actually go there and just everything that we sampled and everything that we enjoyed. So I will always give them a fair shake if I see them on the shelf. So I am the walrus. Uh, someone else pick up so I can refresh my taste buds on it.
1: Uh the vanilla bourbony oakiness of this um is really really what stands out and this is really not su- like a super fruited no. sour this is a berliner that you get a little bit of that plum but the bourbon oak characteristics are the things that really shine in this i kind of want and more of that
0: plum though like that dark stone fruit I, alongside that like bourbon vanilla I would,
1: too. And, like, when we when you poured this, Chris, I was pouring it at the same time, and we both were
0: shocked by the color. Yeah. Because
1: it's just kind of a slightly
0: it's like an hazy yeah, yeah, if you told me it was amber, an amber but, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: But it does have a little bit of a hue to it that you could say, oh, that if somebody said, "Oh, that's a plum beer," you could be like, "Oh yeah, I see the hue in oh, it." Oh,
3: my name's John, and I can see colors. Blah blah blah.
1: <laughs> Paul's just you like, know, Paul, oh, I- "It's a it's a brownish gray beer." I took a I took a test, and I can see. Uh, I'm one of the people that can see the best. Like, I can differentiate all the shades of red that the are, are out there. Shades of red,
0: but the shades of red still can't taste cilantro. You so can- there's that. Yeah.
1: Browns, right? <laughs> Uh, no, it was, just, it was really, this really interesting test, and it was like, it was the thing that you can't do when you're like, oh, it's a, the green little dots and then the red 12 in the center. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but with uh, shades of red, and I was able to see all of them. Cool. Oh, yeah, Paul. Just, seen it. You're, just you know, Paul. Paul, your thoughts.
2: Yeah, this isn't, a, I don't get much plum off of it, but I do. Big, oaky barrel flavor with that sour punch up front. And it's nice. I enjoy it. I think it's decent beer. Like okay, plum. I enjoy a good plum, but honestly, there's not much flavor to a plum. You get most of the flavor from the skin of a plum, anyways. Like that fruit.
0: Maybe maybe that's just what I'm looking for then, because well, I I do like and it's a tart flavor. It is it is tart. It's been a while since I've had a plum, but I do remember them just being kind of like that pop of tart. So maybe that's where like
3: mm-hmm. like and that's what
2: I'm getting. The sour is
0: coming in from, but.
2: Tartness, that sourness, that bright sourness, and then the finish as well. And it it it's not like a flavor and then you get this other aftertaste. It evolves. It's a nice subtle change.
1: This is beer too reading the description and the plum and the bourbon and the oak, that I was like, This is Christmas in a can. This'll be great. But this is something actually I would love to be sitting outside drinking Mm -hmm. like with the tart it's very bright it's very refreshing and it's like I I wish it wasn't winter I wish it was like late spring early summer where I could just sit out and it's nice and drink this beer there's something about that oakiness to it that oaky finish it
2: actually feels like I'm just like getting every little bit of the flesh of the plump off the stone like it's a it's almost like sucking on the uh, stone, yeah. the pit of the plum like kind of flavor I can see that it's reminiscent like I'm getting a lot of the plum flavor now that I'm really trying to think about it almost like uh how I we did with the advent party crasher
1: but also your your palate is probably getting more acclimated to the beer after doing it's hitting black IPA and, and Imperial IPA right in the back of the jowls like See, I'm gonna get like back of the tongue going forward. Yeah. Okay. That's where it that sent me. Ble-
0: I will say, like, of the beers that I sent you guys, this it's either gonna be this or Brace Face is probably my least favorite. Uh, Brace Face I had previously on the show. I did sh- uh, share it with you. Saved one for myself because that's just the cherry lime sour. That's just like a kick in the dick lime sour, like. <laughs> looking forward to it like you're gonna take a sip and be like oh yeah that's that's tart boys um but also it is a little bit more like flavorful on the delivery like this one I've, maybe it's been too long since i've had a plum like because i get that sour and then i get that like oaky vanilla
3: yeah.
0: um but it's not bad I and mean, i'm glad it was there i'm glad it was something i was able to, like to pick up and share with you guys because hey reason for the season right I really, oh, I like. I really like this. I'm checking
1: into it now, and I'm like flipping between three 4. seven five, 5 right? and th- like three seven five and four. Like I'm like, ooh, where do I put it? It's kind of right in the middle of those. Sean, put it at a 4.5. 4.7. <laughs> well, that sounds crazy. <laughs> what? You're a you're a madman, McGowan. Everybody knows that. You know what I'm not mad with? Uh, power, boss, guys. Oh, I, I no oh yeah, I have no power.
2: Uh, so we're combining (laughs) movies
1: and streaming, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. We've done that for the last two years, I think. It's basically what you've watched this year and you liked. Okay.
2: Because, honestly, there wasn't, like I predicted, in our 2019 show, for 2020, uh, that the movies were done. Movies were over. Yeah, no movies. movies. Yeah, we had Endgame. We had the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Everything's done. Like, Avengers are done. And uh, Star Wars was done. So, no need for moves. Who wants to start this off?
0: Because really, uh, I got nothing. I, I started off the last one, so if one of you guys wants to.
1: I'll start well, John, it. You're the movie fix guy. Yeah. Uh, so, my number three this year. Oh, oh, man. You said movie fix, and then I remembered about. Bill and Ted? Uh, Bill and Ted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. That was something uh, we did this year, even though it was months it ago. Was. It happened. in
1: a second? Because I can go. No. Nobody no, else can uh, pick mine. So my number three is going to be uh, Tenet. Um, the Christopher Nolan sci-fi action movie. Uh, I actually just watched this day after Christmas. And uh, I... I really really enjoyed this movie. I'd put it up there towards the top of Nolan films for me. Um but I can see where people had their complaints about it. There is definitely something up with the sound in it. To me I to me it it seems like he's overpowering dialogue with music but using the music to build the tone and make you feel more for what's going on in the, what's happening in the story. Um, but I can see where people would be upset that, you know, usually when you have a movie, you have like the music in the background and the dialogue going over top of it. And this, it feels like they're having the dialogue and the music is over top of the dialogue. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I thought the action in it was phenomenal. Um, John David Washington, who is the lead, who's actually just credited as the protagonist. Uh, You never know his name in the story, Uh, is um, phenomenal in it. He is a really great action star. Um, The only other movie I think that you guys might know him from would be The Black Klansman that came out. Last year, um, aware of it, didn't see it, but yes. Uh, but he's, I mean, he's like the, he could be the next Denzel. Like, he could be the next, uh, I was talking to somebody today and they were talking about, like, you know, they want Christopher Nolan to do a James Bond movie. And I was like, he just did. He just did it with Tenet. Like, John, um, John David Washington could have been Bond. Like, He was really that good as a charismatic protagonist, uh, and able to do all the action scenes that you would want him to do. Uh, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the time element. If you really were going to, like, try to break down and think about what was, what they're trying to do with science and everything in it, I think you just need to go, it's a, it's a fucking movie about time travel. Let it go. Uh... But really liked it. I saw all the action scenes were great. And um, all the actors are really good in it, too. We're
0: well, we going to go uh, reverse I, order? I, I didn't Paul? see it, so I was waiting for Paul to. I, I You know I don't
2: see movies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. why you didn't want to go first.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I'm interested in seeing Tenet theoretically. But if I never see it, I won't feel like I've missed anything. So like it's you know like most movies.
0: I will say if 2020 hadn't happened and this did come out in theaters, I probably would have seen it. But for what the year was, which is kind of what I went into like my favorites of the year, uh, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But I definitely would have gone to check this out in the theater alongside other movies that just either got pushed back or pushed to direct to streaming or are still languishing around because who knows what's going to happen like the next bond movie. Um, (laughs) So for me, I'm going to pick something that I kind of came into a little bit later and after everyone else, but I was still in at the crux of it being like a cultural touchstone. Uh, Behind the scenes stuff. I have a full-time job.
1: I also have a, Hey, congratulations. A, you,
0: but I also have a part-time job that I work at for the benefits and the fun of it. Uh I was furloughed from both jobs. One of them I came back to a little bit sooner. The full-time one pays the bills. That's cool. Uh but with the changing landscape of working in 2020 for my second part-time job, we did have a big conference call to explain to people, like, hey, we're still furloughed. We still don't know what's going to be happening. But the big thing at the beginning of it just is kind of like the icebreaker to smooth out that news of, like, hey, is everybody on the call? All right, roll call. Hey, have you guys seen Tiger King? And it's (laughs) hard to believe that this happened this year because this was the year... Of Joe Exotic and that bitch Carol Baskins because (laughs) I think this came out at that perfect time of people just being stuck at home and needing something to watch. And I was aware of what Tiger King was and I started watching it like maybe two or three weeks after it had launched. And it was just all I was seeing anywhere and like the memes and references to it. And when I sat down to watch it Every single episode, I was just like, this is crazy. It can't get any crazier. Oh, it did. Well, it can't get any crazier. Oh, wait, I'm only three episodes in? This can't get... Oh, it does. And then just the stories after that where Joe's in prison and pushing to President Trump for a pardon. Like, (laughs) It's such a bizarre... Story, but again, the fact that this story even exists just boggles my mind, and sums up 2020 in such an appropriate way that, like, it, it was here for all of us, even though we didn't know we needed it.
1: I this, I mean, it came out like the week or two weeks before the sh- the shutdown in March, and. Y- Right when everything shut down in uh, Buffalo, and I still had to go to work... um, You're essential. I'm essential. I I might get my shot first. Hey! (laughs) uh, No, you're sacrificial. (laughs) You're not essential. (laughs) Um, It literally was like the day after everything shut down. My sister-in-law had come out to visit, and... My wife and her were watching the first episode, and I was getting ready for work and everything, and I was playing with my son, and then I sat down and I watched, like, a quarter of the last of the first episode, like, the end of the first episode. And I was like, man, that's crazy. (laughs) And she was like, yeah, like, there's, like, eight episodes. I was like, it's a
0: series? It didn't just end with that first episode? Let me tell you all about Wilderness Park Sex Cults, (laughs) because... If you haven't watched Tiger King, that's a part of it. <laughs> uh,
1: but it was that thing like, oh, man. Well, I can't wait to come home, re-watch episode one, because I missed the beginning. And then continue on throughout the whole thing. And <sighs> I mean, it does not disappoint. It is a delight to watch. And as you said, Chris, insane.
0: And I don't remember what episode it's in, but when, like, Joe Exotic's one young, gay, meth-addicted lover, like, shoots himself in the <laughs> office, I'm like, H- how do people live this way? I I finally right? understand, like, I guess, trash-watching, like, Jersey Shore or, like, The Real Housewife show, where you just watch these people with crazy, bizarre, obscene lives, and you're like... I I guess that's good for some people. Like Paul, have you watched Tiger King? Nope. Uh,
2: (laughs) I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it. You know, I wouldn't like it.
1: I think you'd like. I mean, it's it's so it's it's a train wreck that you can't wait to see the next. Like, what happened to the next car in the train wreck?
0: Paul, this is something you put on, like on Kate's laptop. In the kitchen, while you guys are like cutting vegetables or something, just like have it on. Dip your toes into it. See how see how you're feeling, because I I think you'll dive into it. Uh, I need a feel good story. I need an underdog
1: overcoming everything. Hey, uh, <coughs> if you want that, that bitch Carol Baskin is on Dancing with the Stars, yeah. and has dressed up as a cat on it like four or five times.
2: Well, she's got to lean into her persona.
1: Yeah,
0: she knows her brand.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, some some people might say that, you know, we're an underdog that, you know, they much only uh, mention our rust belt but here in Buffalo uh, we're ready to charge with the
1: Buffalo Bills
2: guys if you even been watching the season, it's been great
0: sports ball the, we're back it's just weird that the Bills are good again and this is like, after oh, I've left Buffalo and like I no longer work at the stadium but it's like Number one, AFC East, like they're they're it's the they're the team to beat. Like
2: power rankings came out this week uh, for this week. Bills number one number on one. power rankings.
0: But I w- go ahead, John. Oh, uh, I uh, two things.
1: Uh, one, I did see like there was a thing that came out that said like God created the pandemic because. The Buffalo Bills fans could not endure a winning season without burning down the Ralph. For- <laughs> yeah. And then, not even called the. It's not even called the Ralph. Uh, so, sorry, he he Rose means Stadium.
0: he means Rich Stadium. <laughs>
1: uh, and then I've been selling beer for probably going on six years. And you talk to all the beer reps, you talk to the beer salesmen, you talk to the supervisors and all that. And they'll tell you about selling beer during a winning sports oh, season yeah. is the best thing ever. You're selling thirty packs here, you can't do this here, you, you're the beer is just flying. And you know what hurts it? People not being able to get together and watch games. <laughs> So we had a, a lot of success through COVID, but the thing that we could have had the most success with with a winning Bill season, we <laughs> we did not reap the benefits from.
0: So my question with Buffalo being that kind of burgeoning craft beer town now that is, which I absolutely love and I think it's fantastic. What is that beer that you have to get to? Take to the tailgate or, you know, we're not tailgating now. You're taking beer home for the home games. Like, is it still going to be like a Labatt Blue or are people like, oh, and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pick up like a hay burner, like to bring back to the house.
1: So you're going to get the people buying basically what they'll do now instead of like, I'm going to buy a 30 pack and we're going to rack them. We're going to just pound the hell out of these now you see those guys either grabbing an 18-pack or a 12-pack, but they're going to have the... Either they're going to prime with Labatt's, drink some IPAs during it, and finish with Labatt's. But yeah, like, Hayburner... I think, uh not the game that we just had, but the week before it, I sold, like, 15 cases of Big Ditch Hayburner going into that Bills game, like... Saturday, 15 cases gone going into that game on Sunday. Like people were buying that and then buying 18s and 12s. Like the 30 pack sales have gone plummeted because you would buy that because you're having three or four people over and you guys were going to drink that 30 pack. Now I'm not having that many people over, but I still need to get my labats in because it's like drinking water.
2: Mm -hmm. Gotta stay hydrated. Uh, no, it's guys. Have you watched
3: it?
1: Though there's so
3: much
2: fun. Five primetime games, five nationally televised games in a row, and we dominate. San Francisco 49ers. This is football you're talking about. <laughs> this is football Dominating. Well, also this year well, the you Patriots know are
0: just terrible. Like they're the worst team.
3: They're
2: not the worst team. They, I mean, they were
0: ranked number they, one like on their like division like power rankings, but like.
2: But no, they, wow, if they didn't lose the Bills, they could have had a winning season. Or at least gone eight and eight. But the Bills came out and just crushed
1: them on Monday
2: night football.
1: I have I have not watched any Bills games. And Paul, that's why they're winning. You blamed you blamed me. Uh, anytime you watch that game, John, they always lose. So I haven't Sabres, watched any savers. Uh, well, whatever. Force. No, that's when I'm at the game.
2: When you're at the game, we never win one. Uh, but I have been. And people get their throats cut when you're at the game, right? Or
1: Florida Panther guy. <laughs> um, I forgot guy. But I have been keeping track of. Like it's four o'clock on a Sunday. I pull it up. Like, did the Bills win? They did. Hey, beer sales next week probably gonna be better like that's what i keep track of the bills for is like winning and losing knowing how much beer i need to order well
2: i tell kate like before she goes to work after a bills game someone says hey bills won she's like oh thank goodness people will be in
3: such a good (laughs) mood.
2: like it just lifts everybody's spirits here in buffalo like it could be like we got pummeled this weekend with a horrible snowstorm over christmas like it was no, pretty deep, you know eighteen
1: to eighteen inches, two feet. Yeah, but two days after that, it was forty degrees, Paul. Yeah, and you know why? Still warm. <laughs> I was just why? Gonna, I was
0: just gonna say Buffalo because that's just how the weather can be here. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> Monday night, we beat the Patriots
1: thirty-eight to nine.
3: Guys, this was great
1: in oh.
0: Foxborough.
2: In Foxborough, it's
1: everybody showing the meme of him throwing the phone. Yeah. Oh, he's so mad at the phone. Bill Belichick's so
2: mad at the phone. Uh, No, they're just a really fun team to watch right now. Uh, They go out and they just... Josh Allen's their quarterback and he's able to run the ball. You just take off and run with it. And he's able to sling it down the field 80 yards. Like, every play, you're just excited to see what they come up with. They do trick plays. There's fake punts. They do...
1: I think we've talked too much about Bill's...
2: Okay, one more thing. Remember <laughs> the movie Little Giants?
0: Yes, Rick Moranis.
2: Yeah? And, and you remember like the Statue of Liberty play? Yeah. No. Where they no? Like, oh, Josh Allen just like
0: strong arms the dude. <laughs> like
2: they basically don't like they hike the ball, but don't really hike the ball. And then the they basically do stuff like that. <laughs> like it's a lot of fun to watch. Like Josh Allen, the quarterback, will get it. Act like he threw it. Put it behind his back. The running back will then take it. People are chasing after the wide receiver that's acting like he's running down the field with the football. All the while, the running back is running down the other side. It's crazy. It's fun. It's been one of the highlights of 2020. It's been this Bills football season. Uh, they've had some two really jo- bad... Remember when Paul was like, oh, one more oh. thing. <laughs> so
1: Josh Josh Allen cereal, and they just brought back the Flutie Flakes. Flutie Flakes were good. They're basically just Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes.
2: <laughs> the Josh Allen cereal is like O's, and I don't know what they're supposed
1: to be played, uh, flavored like, but I think they're, they taste like they're, hope. they're red and blue.
0: Tastes like hope. And
1: uh, <coughs> Chris, Chris, you're starting the next movie, Looping right? Looping
0: back to me. Okay, um, my next one is actually going to be something from a streaming service. And this is going to be a TV series that I think we're all kind of ready to talk about, but this is going to be The Mandalorian season number two. This is my number one. My number one as well. Um I was hesitant heading into season two. Even when we did our 2020 look forward at the beginning of the year, I knew it was going to be a hard game to play to deliver on the promise of what we had in Mandalorian season one. And they found a way to do it outside of just, like, the general, like, casting rumors of, oh, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, oh, Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett. Yeah, they hit those notes, but they still found a way, even in hitting that, to make me be like, whoa, okay, like, there's stakes here. And then even bringing back characters from Season 1, like uh, Migs Mayfield or Fennec Shand that are going to have something to do in the Star Wars canon, Disney Plus Universe, whatever you want to wind up calling it. Um, it's hard not to get my hopes up for something like Season 3, or the Book of Boba Fett, or any of the other stuff that they wound up teasing us with during the investor call, because, man, Season 2 was great. I think Season 2 was better than Season 1.
2: I think Season 2, they... Decided, you know what? Let's let's turn it up to eleven. <laughs> like I feel season one, like they're like, oh, let's feel it out. Let's like, you know, let's go down the road like at fifty-five miles an hour, and then all of a sudden they're like, let's just punch it to ninety. Let's just. Uh,
0: I was going to say they're going to take what? it up to eighty-eight, so you can see some serious shit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I said, ninety. They they're going to even pass eighty-eight.
1: Aside from the first episode. I don't think I rewatched any of season one episodes. Season two, I went back multiple episodes and rewatched them. I rewatched that first episode because it was just so good. I rewatched, uh, the Ahsoka Tana episode. Frog from Lady, Mandalorian. No Space Spiders. Yeah. Okay. Uh... I didn't rewatch that one. But the 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 episode right after that with the Mandalorians, when they take that ship, like, multiple episodes, I was like, well, I gotta watch that again. And not only did, like, the Ahsoka one, I re- went back, rewatched the opening scene, like, three days later, I went back and watched the entire episode again. So I watched the episode, the opening scene, and then the episode again, just because I was like, I just really enjoyed... What was happening in those episodes. And you know the character better. So you. It just was. I, I don't know. It just to me felt like it was. Turned up to an 11.
2: It is the. Uh, Kate. Is. begrudgingly watched Star Wars with me. As long as I've given her a foot massage. I don't think she's ever made it through a full movie. But she enjoys the Mandalorian. Like. This is her entry point into Star Wars. Like, she does not care which color lightsaber a Jedi has. Like, she doesn't care. I'm like, because, you know, I had it spoiled for me. Spoilers, guys, everybody. Uh, so skip ahead if you don't haven't watched The Mandalorian. Just pause, watch it. Um, I know that's difficult because it took me until yesterday to watch this. Um, so I feel your pain. But I'm like, Kate, it's a green lightsaber. Guy showed The person showed up in an X-Wing. You know who it is? And she's like, Paul, I don't care who has what color <laughs> lightsaber. I hardly know what an X-Wing
0: is. Shut up and let me just enjoy this. Paul, after that question, you're like, but you know what an A-Wing is, right? Because <laughs> I feel like at that point, like divorce papers would have been out on the table. <laughs> but,
2: you know, she doesn't really care about the rest of the Star Wars universe. But she's in on the Mandalorian, at least. Or, you know, luckily for me. Um,
1: Go ahead.
0: Uh, Just my question, as someone who's kind of stepping into that Star Wars universe based off of Mandalorian, who's her favorite character?
2: Uh, You know, uh, when we were watching it, she actually mentioned, and I didn't catch it, that uh, for the last episode, when they get off of Slave 1... It's basically a group of badass women. She's like, dude, this is Mando and his group of badass women just, like, taking the shit down. This is great. This is awesome. I think she really enjoys Cara Dune post. And I can get that. Yeah, Like, you know, uh, actress problems aside of her, you know, but Kate and I, we haven't, you know, seen her Twitter. So we know there's problems
0: with her Twitter. See, I I don't follow that kind of stuff. So, like, that... That means nothing to me, but yeah, like she's.
1: Yeah.
2: I know awesome. she's anti vax and she's been very pro, you
0: know. Uh, Not wearing a mask. Yeah.
1: Stuff like it. And.
0: Well, because she's you know, a brick house. Nothing's going to take her down. Like, I get yeah. it. <laughs> I understand. Like, but the character
2: is awesome. Uh, like, you know, put your politics out there if you want, and that's fine. Like,. I put my politics out there. Hopefully, I can respect that as well. And you know, as long as you don't become belligerent towards either other group, you know, the group that you feel like you're against or fighting, you know, it's fine. Um, you get overly belligerent, then we then there's problems. You know, just be respectful. Um, don't be dicks. Yeah, as John likes to say. Uh, but yeah, I think Kara is probably
0: her favorite character on Mandalor.
1: Makes
2: sense. he's you
0: know, uh, awesome. Yeah, even like in that finale episode where she's like her gun jams and she's like slamming it on the ground, and then like there's just that moment where she's like it just like clicks and she's like, Yeah and then that door opens up and she's just like mowing down people, like, Fuck yeah. Like now that's what I come to Star Wars for. I want those moments. You know, you're Care Dune cutting down like a bunch of people on a Star Destroyer. story. You're Donnie Yens with like a staff taking out a bunch of stormtroopers. Like, I want to see those people being badasses. Not ancient decrepit Eleganess like eh, eh, eh mm-hmm. I'm dead now. It's not Star Wars for me. Sure. Yeah.
2: I agree. And it isn't a bunch of CGI just double backflips <laughs> over everybody and then all of a sudden high ground naps either like it's a good balance of like over the top action but the stakes seem to matter
1: uh and it, bizarrely enough it's basically a show shot on green screen but it doesn't feel like it's shot on green screen you know the way they do it it feels lived in it feels real
2: because the actors can see the environment they're in yeah and green it's screen.
1: just being in a big green room uh and I know things have changed. I mean, I know most of, like, Avengers, uh, the last two movies were shot on green screens. And nobody was really wearing suits. But there's something that just feels really just lived in and worn. And that's one of the things that I really like is just you couldn't tell that it, they weren't in an actual physical
0: location.
1: When you say, like, oh, they're not really in the desert, I'd be like, come on, dude. Well, I saw them in the I desert. Don't
0: know if you guys had a chance to watch the uh, the gallery Mandalorian Season 2 special that they put out, um, did not. So previously for Mandalorian Season 1, we got a docu-series that kind of was broken into, I think, six parts where it was like producers and directors of the Mandalorian scene now to talk about how they made the show. On Christmas Day, they did release gallery season two, which is basically just like a two hour one off where it's them talking about the making of season two, but they kind of work through it chronologically by episode. Um, And they did actually push the limits of what they could do on the volume with bringing in more physical stuff. And then when they realized like, well, this is really testing our limitations, they would go out to their back lot and film things. And if they were testing that they would go, to a location, literally like one location uh, when the dark troopers are attacking Grogu while he's on the, like the seeing stone. I, I enjoyed watching the making of special almost as much as watching Mandalorian season two, because there's just so much goodness in there and so much care that you can see come out from the people making the show that it makes sense that, like, yes, this is why the show is so good, because this isn't just a paycheck for people. John Favreau and Dave Filoni are sitting there behind the scenes making weird, random Star Wars references to each other. Like, oh, should should <laughs> Mando say McClunky? Oh, I don't think he would say McClunky at this point. McClunky is something that Luke has just put in on the last re-release of Star Wars A New Hope that wasn't put out anywhere besides Disney plus when credo gets shot. Like these are people that are in the trenches for it, have a love, but also a respect for the franchise and want to usher it into that next generation.
1: But they did squeeze them a McClunky. They though. do.
0: Um, but it's, it's fantastic. Uh, the only reason that this wasn't my number one, Is because there's something that I've gone back to rewatch multiple times again and again. Uh, But before we get to that, spoilers, because this is my number two, your number one. What was your number two, John? Uh, My number two is Onward. Really? Okay, you have my attention now, because I'm intrigued by this. Uh, I love Onward.
1: My son loves Onward, which means I've watched it, uh, multiple times, but I probably would watch it multiple times even if I didn't have a small child that I could have him tune out for an hour or so while watching it. Um, we watched this, we bought this when it came out streaming. And knowing that, like a week later, it was going to be free on Disney Plus, it would be a movie my wife and I would have gone to see in the theater anyways. So paying the thirty bucks for it, movie tickets, popcorn price, yeah. all that would have done it. So we bought it, watched Onward, and then um, I thought it was great. I loved it. And then when it was up on Netflix, it was just that simple thing of just being like, or not Netflix, uh, Disney Plus. It was just like, yeah, I'll I'll put it on again. And it's a movie I've gone back to multiple times. And it's that thing that's like, do you want to watch Grayson? Do you want to watch Onward? And he's like, Sharks. I want to watch Sharks. And I'm like, I'm going to put it on anyways. And we might not, we'll never be able to get through the whole movie, but we get through bits and pieces and then we turn it off and he goes and run around and play, or I put him down for a nap. But later that night, we'll watch another 15 minutes of it. But it's one of those things that I thought, like, what was one of my favorite things watching this
0: year that came out
1: this year? It's definitely
0: Onward. Onward was the last movie that I saw in theaters before everything shut down. And it was a case of, Oh, I go see every Disney movie when they come out in theaters. I have like this day or this night free. I'm going to go see onward. And then like a week later, everything shut down and Disney announced that it was going to be coming to uh, Disney plus streaming for free. And as soon as it popped up, I watched it again. So I think I got my money's worth out of it actually paying to see it in the theaters. But then also I think I've watched it twice Now, since it came out on streaming platform, like that week and then again afterwards, just as something to kind of have on. And I think Onward has, it's that same Pixar sensibility where it's deep and heavy and there's emotion to it, but there's still that sense of fun. But it's amped up a little bit more than something that we got from the just released on Disney Pixar, or sorry, uh, Disney Plus Soul. Which is absolutely fantastic. It made me tear up. I think it's a gorgeous movie, but if you ask me which one am I going to go back to rewatch next, it would probably be Onward just because there's a little bit more fun to it. And it could just be because I'm approaching middle age and dealing with finding my own purpose in life. So I'm, <laughs> so Joe Gardner's hitting me a little bit harder than he should be. Um, both fantastic movies, both available for streaming right now, so I think they're both worth checking out. But I was surprised because Onward came out so early in the year and at the beginning of everything that I feel like it's easy to look past just because it's been so long and there's been so much stuff that's come out since. Well, have you checked out Onward? On your, list of, you're missing it, on your list of things yeah. to check out. Because there's like, it is there's weird lovely. fantasy like D&D references to it. So it's in like that nerd wheelhouse. King it's a love King. letter to D&D. And you have brothers and that's kind of like the crux of the movie. Yeah, oh, you don't like your brothers. Okay, never mind. And you're
2: my brothers.
1: Well, we're definitely the
0: characters in it. <laughs> yeah,
3: they're
0: my uh,
1: right.
2: No, uh, Kate made a list of movies that we need to start checking out after the holiday season's over because you know we're we're still in our midst of watching our holiday movies. Like we're rewatching uh, Harry Potter again because you know why not? It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Uh, and she's like, "Oh, there's that new Godmother movie that came out," and I'm like, "Well, that's set during Christmas. That's on Disney Plus. We should probably watch that pretty soon here." And she said, oh, the soul that she wants to check out, Mulan, that she wants to check out, and also Onward. So, they're out there, but during the pandemic, when it first hit, like, when Onward came out, I'm like, you know what? I just want comfort food. I just want to watch...
1: It's comfort food.
2: Yeah. I just want to watch something I already know and just can get through. I didn't want something that would kick me in the gut. And with Pixar... I'm always worried about it because of how bad Up screwed me up.
1: This It does have some emotional things, but it's not a kick in the gut.
2: Well, that's the thing, is I need to be in the mindset and emotionally prepared for it. Because I finally watched Up during the summer the second time, and I'm like, oh, this is actually a pretty good, fun movie. Because I knew the emotional wrenching that would happen in it, Versus the first time one I went to watch out, which is like, oh, a guy decides to fly right way in his house on some balloons. Oh, that sounds like an awesome, fun kind of adventure story. How crazy and zany. And then it's like, punch in the gut, punch in the gut. So I'm always a little hesitant to get into Pixar, Disney movies.
0: But I think that's what makes those movies matter, though. Like, you can get, like, that emotional response to what's basically just... Ones and zeros on a screen. But when the world
2: is literally ending around you, when Onward came out, I'm like, I'm not ready for that. I just want to watch stuff that I already know and already love. (laughs) Let's let's
1: do that. (laughs) And that would be your number two pick, Paul? Uh,
2: Actually, my number two pick is the way that I've been able to kind of supplement socializing. Uh, Before the end times, I used to go to a board game meetup Every once in a while, on um, originally at a uh, grocery store <laughs> that would be open until midnight. The and then there was a, actually a more local game stop, uh, game store that I would go to, and it was a lot of fun. I would get to play some, learn some new board games, play with people, kind of chat it up. Uh, Twitch uh, streaming has kind of filled that gap for me during this. Used uh, to you know, everything shut down and you definitely don't want to be sharing uh pieces of board games with people that you're not familiar in, really in a relationship with. Uh you know, so Twitch live streaming, um, and there's one group, they're not board game related. Uh, that Kate and I have absolutely fallen in love with and that's Always Believe, their channel, their YouTube channel. They do the live streams before the Mandalorian stuff like that. Uh, I'm wearing a headband, a bandana right now, that was you know, that they showed off on one of their live streams unboxings. I just really love uh, the the um, relationship that Ash and Brian have. It reminds me of the relationship that me and my wife have. Um, and it's nice to vicariously like kind of glimpse into somebody else's life when they're doing mundane things like going out to Target, or going to a park, and because it makes you feel like you're along with them. And, yeah, Kate and I, we're not going to go out to Target together, because there's no reason for us to go to Target, or to a grocery store together, really, during this time. But it's fun to, like, watch somebody else kind of do that, and, you know, pick up the newest Star Wars stuff. Uh and I think this is also a thing that's made Kate enjoy Star Wars a little bit more along with uh my number one pick, which is The Mandalorian. Uh to lead into that. Uh yeah. Always believe on YouTube. Their channel is very positive. Uh they do talk a lot about, you know, how they're handling things. Uh Ashley, who's you know, great, has talked about her she has a lot of um, social anxiety. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say disorder, but she you know she's open about it like that she gets very panicky when there's large crowds and everything like that and this pandemic has like heightened that for her and it's been great that they focused on mental health and like what they're doing for their own mental health during this time so yeah Ash and Brian on always believe a great youtube channel uh kind of the sis- I call it kind of like a sister or cousin channel to
0: ordinary adventures. Mm. Good to know because I'm not familiar with them, but I've watched a lot of Ordinary Adventures, especially during quarantine when I was stuck inside and like just looking for content to to watch. So something I'll check out.
2: I yeah, uh, the, always. I think they've done like when they've when Ordinary Adventures has been at Knoxbury Farms. I think one time Ash and Brian were from Always Believe were also there, and they kind of had a frost. Like they both showed up. In, like, when they ran into each other. Gotcha. Because they're both in the Los Angeles area. They both kinda do th- that's, that's kind, kind of do the That's what you do. Things. You go to the theme parks. <laughs> and they both show off this bandana and, sh- you know, show off the same kind of stuff. Because, you know, the uh, Etsy channels kind of send them the same things. Kind of because they're that's
0: both fine. Star Wars channels. Uh so that'll break us down. No, oh. no, I have my number 1 to get to because Mandalorian was my number 2. Oh, that's right. Cuz something I
2: could be better than Mandalorian. Well,
0: it's something that I've gone back to multiple times again while I was in quarantine just putting it on because I wanted to engage in it like and actually sit there and watch it, or have it on in the background as I was like cleaning or like making dinner. Um, and then also oh, just highlights. listen to the soundtrack as I'm driving to and from work after I came oh. back. Oh. <laughs> and, and this was uh, the Disney Plus straight-to-streaming Hamilton from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, we got it a year early. It wasn't supposed to come out until October 2021 20, in theaters. Uh, Disney Plus put it out, and this thing has been a behemoth both on stage and now on screen because Disney Plus had a huge surge of people that were coming to check it out. The weekend it launched, which was Fourth of July weekend, I think I had watched it once, and I sent my mom a text. She was like, hey, have you checked out Hamilton yet? And at that point, she had already watched, like, two or three times. Um, The fact that it's just available to put on at the press of a button, that you're getting the original cast, the people that originated these roles, and also just the fact that it's so... Good outside of with Manuel <laughs> Miranda's singing, like because that's
2: mm-hmm. Manuel Miranda is the weakest part of that. He show.
0: is, and no no slight to him, because everything else is so good. Like I can fault him for and just this. that one thing, because man, everything else about the show just clicks and works. Um, this is probably the thing that I have watched the most over this past mm-hmm. year because it's so good and even just putting on the clips of the part of the show that I want to see like oh you know what I'm sitting here on the couch I could really go for some King George right now and just like skipping to that part of the show and laughing and then just letting it play after that um I find like I talked about this before on the show but I'm not. I do enjoy musicals, but I'm not the kind of person that's going to just listen to a soundtrack for something and be like, okay, yes, I get this. I have to actually see the show. So now I finally get the Hamilton hype and the buzz because yes, like if I had just listened to the soundtrack or any of the songs before I got to see this, it would not have had that impact. But I, I absolutely loved it. And that's why it's my number one. I will. Do you, oh, go well, ahead, I was going to say, as much as I love Mandalorian and I will rewatch it, that's kind of an event feeling for me where like, if I want to rewatch Mandalorian, it's going to be like when I used to want to go back and rewatch Lost or Buffy the Vampire Slayer where I'm putting it on to sit there and like absorb it all. Hamilton, I can just put that on and enjoy it in bits and pieces because it just, it works so well, even in those like little clips
1: Do you feel that, uh, Lynn is the weakest part of the audio? Like, I, (coughs) I, we, Caitlin and I listened to it on Spotify. We downloaded the whole, um, the whole musical and we listened to it in our drive to and from, um, Toronto. And I didn't think he was weak in that recording of it i do agree that he does seem a little the weaker part in the videotaping of the musical that we saw do you feel the same way since you said you listened to Um, it
0: i i feel like in audio yes he's the weakest because there's so many powerhouse vocalists in that and he just he doesn't have that range and that's why i think a lot of his stuff just falls back onto the Oh, I'm talking, but I'm rapping. And can you believe I'm rapping? Because I keep saying the same thing. So that means I'm rapping. Like, as soon as I saw Moana, which came out in the advent of Hamilton, I was like, okay, I get what he does. And this was before being familiar with Hamilton or uh, In the Heights, which will maybe come out someday from Fox. Again, we'll see. Um,
2: Starring the uh, princess herself that gets switched.
0: Vanessa, I'll just... Oh, I'm sorry. You, you mean uh, Gabrielle Montez from High School Musical. Sorry. I, I was confused for a second. Uh, okay. <laughs> so there's that, but then I think and I don't want to say Hamilton suffers for this, but it is done as a stage production, so they are used to overacting for stuff because whatever you're doing has to read for everybody in the crowd, whether they're in the first row or Last row in the mezzanine. So you do see a little bit of that just like overextending of facial uh, expressions and movements. But again, it's a stage show. Like I can look past that because I'm not supposed to be seeing it three feet from what he's doing. I should be sitting somewhere knowing myself in the cheap seats. Um. <laughs> But again, like I I don't fault the show because he put it all together and it just it works so well and those songs are so catchy because of that repetition and it might be his hallmark and I made fun of him for it, but it it's because of those things that sticks in your mind, just the replaying of those phrases and the melodies behind everything. Like a discussion Yanni and I have had has been like, what's your favorite Song from Hamilton. And for me, one of the things that I absolutely love is the fact that the 10 dual commandments come back through everything just as like an underlying tone. You hear that din, 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 din. even when, um, Eliza and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the son's name are just talking about like how they're gonna like,
1: yeah,
3: the-
2: for, yeah, if, like
0: for, for the dad's birthday, like, the 10 dual commandments are the underlying melody for that. And then ultimately you wind up seeing his son get killed in a duel, but it's done so playfully in that moment that you're able to forget that, no, we've heard this tone before in another duel that came to blows. Nobody actually died during it, but then ultimately it does come back at the end during the duel between Burr and like, it's so well executed and it takes multiple watches to pick up on that stuff. And that's why I love it. Number one, I want to rewatch it now after talking about it.
2: <laughs> so no, it's, is that it's your favorite song from
0: Hamilton. Then this is it 10 It is um, just because it's, it's so good. But then also if there's a song that I'm just going to put on just to like, wrap along with it's gonna be guns and ships from David Diggs uh aka Lafayette because so good he's so quick and to enunciate with so many words per like second like it's hmm shut it's, it's, it's so good it's like the garlic bread of musical numbers love it
1: mm-hmm. I'm I didn't I saw the traveling show but I'm glad that we were able to See it performed live.
0: I mean, it was great. Uh, my runner-up would have been Umbrella Academy, though, because I really wanted to talk about it. Paul,
2: <coughs> I was going to say my favorite song and the one that I keep on putting up clips, you know, of YouTube is "Wait for It." So good. Hmm. I, I, I just, for, I think, for myself as a person, I that song resonates for me. Like, I just love that. Like, I am the one thing in my life that I can control. Yeah. I might not be inevitable, and I might not be an original. But at least that first part of that line is true. And I
0: love Leslie Odom names it. Like, that song is like, Jesus. when you see him take the stage, like, he's able to just... he, He's kind of the heart of that story, even though, like, he's also the antagonist. He's,
2: yeah, he's equally... It's... Hamilton and Burr—that that's their yeah. story intertwined. It was great that he was able to keep on, being, you know, bringing them back full circle together, and together.
1: I always find the next time that I listen to it, I find a like, oh, that song. I I must not have been paying attention to the first time I watched it or the second time, but now, for some reason, this this song is resonating with me, like. I always go every time I watch it. I find a new song that I like more than I did before. Uh, but that'll take us to beers. Yeah, uh, Paul, your number three beer of the year.
2: Uh, number three beer is all the beers that we had while we were down in Orlando. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to hand. I'm going to basically say it was. Uh, what was it? Not rolling. Was it rolling? Fancy papers. papers? Fancy papers. Where we got to drink it out of the tank. <coughs> that whole experience of being down in Orlando visiting Chris. We got to take a really cool tour of Cigar City. Uh, You're welcome.
1: Papers.
2: Thank you, for John, uh, <laughs> for having the hookup. And I have to say that was the high. You know, one of the highlights of the trip. Um. And that's competing with uh, Kate and me being in Disney World together for the very first time. Kate, first time back at Disney World since she was
3: seven?
2: And I still enjoy us being at Cigar City a little bit more, you know, than that whole experience. Um, so, right there. I'm going to give it to Fancy Papers,
1: Cigar City, but it's not because of the beer itself. It's the experience. It's
2: the experience.
1: And that's why it's my number three as well.
2: Oh, thank goodness. I thought I was being a cheat-ass cheater. Like somebody uh, that would pick all the movies for like their pick of Christmas movies for a list <laughs> of what <they> watch. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm glad that.
1: Or maybe I am a cheater because I'm. You are a cheater because you're the reason I feel I'm able to do that. Uh, this was mine too. One, I gave the beer, uh, four out of five stars. I thought the beer was excellent. And my point was going to be the experience of sharing that tour with you guys. Cause we've, we've been on brewery tours, but we've never been. It was, you know, mm-hmm. Kate was there, but like the three of us one on one with a higher up of the brewery taking us through opening up that tank and drinking out of it. Not to sound like a jerk, but I've I've had that experience before, and I was so happy that I was able to experience that with you guys, because Bagged and Bored came out of us being craft beer fans, but doing the show cemented us even more in being craft beer fans, because I don't like drinking beer on my own. I like being able to sit down with my friends or my wife and discuss the beer that I'm talking about. That's how I want to drink. And for the fact that we were able to do that as the, the trio uh, really cemented something in me that was like, you know, this is, I'm glad I was able to have this experience with you. I was glad I was just able to share it with you guys. And I just thought we, it was a great kickoff to that whole brewery weekend that we had. Mm-hmm. And I bought, I bought a six pack of the beer too because I thought it was that good. Uh, and
2: then when we went back down to Tampa, or uh, was it t- back to Tampa to the uh, butcher shop, and then we went and grabbed a couple beers at the the brewery that was right near it. Ten
1: tens. It was in or- Orlando, not in Tampa. Oh, okay, but yeah, but
2: we had to drive. It, it was still.
1: A drive. Yeah, from it where was you guys were going downtown
0: Orlando, is a bit of a drive. Like At least like 45 minutes. It was like, minutes. yes, 30 minutes. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah,
2: I, I enjoyed that experience as well. That whole weekend. But I think that's the... If I had to put one star, that that's it. And I had to attach one beer to it, it would be that. Because that kind of highlights the experience. Uh, Every beer. Had.
0: I will say, yeah. I'm glad that's on your list because... I didn't have it on mine and it's of no fault of the beers, but I have seen that on the shelves at my local beer store, but I haven't picked it up because I've just been like, well, there's no way it's going to be as good as having it directly from like the tank. Like it's, it's not going to be as good. Like I'll drink it and I'll still probably enjoy it. But a lot of it just does owe itself to that experience of getting walked around from clay and talking to him about, just their beers and how they got started, and their distribution footprint, and just like their process, uh, while having a tasty, tasty IPA on top of it.
2: Why they're boxing their six packs instead of just doing the you know uh, plastic the, toppers, the rings. Yeah, um, yeah. If I
0: see it out in this, because it's not here, it has
1: never come up um,
0: here. If it's still, if, but if, if it still exists here, because I. I, I don't walk. Want you to no, I walk crazy. past the, the Cigar City stuff because it's one of those things like I can just get it fresh on at pretty much like at any bargatory bar here, so I don't feel the need to like pick it up because I can go into like any sandwich shop and be like, Oh uh, yeah, give me give me the muffaletta and uh I'll have a, a high ali. Like it's just it's a thing that's just there. I do love a muffaletta. It's though. really good. You gotta go light on it's that olive good. though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not a big fan of olive, so like a little bit can overdo it just with like that salty saltiness.
2: But if I ever see fancy papers up here in Buffalo, I'm going to pick up a six pack of it. Oh, I would grab it in a an heartbeat yeah. and I will drink it and be happy and for the memory of it, not so much for the beer of it. Um, and I'm sure Kate would be happy to have it, too, because
1: she really liked it, too. Yeah. I gave her the rest of mine. Well, she didn't, like, that beer wasn't on tap, mm-hmm. and there was no other beers that interested her, because most of the beers were all barrel-aged beers when we were down there. So I graciously... She liked the Margarita Coza, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, gave, I gave her the rest of mine, and then I bought a six-pack, and I think we drank it with our steaks, and then I took three or two home.
2: All right, so uh, that was Chris, number
1: what... three, my number three. <laughs> Chris, what's your number um, three?
0: My number three, I'm going to go to a beer from Cider Brewing, and this is going to be their Strawberry Cider. That uh, was really it's, good. It's so good, and recently they put out their cinnamon roll-inspired cider, which was cider brewed with cinnamon, vanilla, and pecans. And I was chasing that, hoping it was going to hit like the same notes as this, which... Obviously, it's not going to because it's a completely different flavor profile. But it just, it missed something just because the strawberry cider just had that nice, fresh strawberry taste. Like, it wasn't just, like, a candy extract. Uh, this is something that I hope they do again. Their bare bone cider is still good, but this is that holy grail now. Like, if they put this out again, I will stock up on it. <coughs>
1: Yeah, you were gracious enough to send us that, and it was phenomenal. I just remember loving that cider when you sent it to us, and we drank it on the show. So
0: spoilers for me, for my list, I basically went onto my untapped profile, sorted all the beers that I drank this year. So from January 1st, 2020 to December 30th, 2020, and then I just sorted it by ranking, and I had four beers that I put at a five out of five. Um, and that was one of them. Who goes next Paul?
1: I. Uh, John, go ahead. Um, mine, I did kind of the same thing, Chris, but I scrolled through and I, I was looking for one particular beer, um, that'll be my number one. And it was looking at, like, number scores and then, like, how it Hot, like the pop of it all. And I wanted to grab something from Florida when we were all down there and fancy papers was the thing for that. Um But I, I wanted to say a beer from resurgence, which is their rainbow sour, which I thought was excellent. But in November I drank it on the show. It was the Gemini from mortalis It was the blueberry, passion fruit, cinnamon roll, vanilla, maple cream beer. And it's just... Oh my God, that beer was so good. The cinnamon, the blueberry. I mean, it tasted like a blueberry cobbler with cinnamon and a maple sweetness to it. It just was such a phenomenal beer that I can't not... I think it was my highest rated beer of the year as well. Um And I check into probably 45% of the beers that I have just because I've gotten really lazy with untapped. Um, not as but, lazy as me. No, you've never been not lazy. <laughs> uh, but, but this beer from Mortalis was just absolutely delicious and phenomenal. And, not like a beer. It just was like you took a blueberry cobbler and pureed it and put it in a glass.
0: I get that because that's kind of my number two beer. So Paul, if you don't mind if I jump in next because right my number two beer is actually from Ellipsis Burning, which is a place that I can't wait for you guys to have a chance to visit whenever you're able to come down and we can actually enjoy going to brews together. Uh, but this is from Ellipsis Brewing. This is part of their Fruit by the Dot, 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 Ellipsis uh, line. It's their Peanuts, Triple Berry, Black Currant. And this is basically a peanut butter and jelly beer. Where it's thick, it was like rocky, it was literally like puree. Um, there was so much was, cling in the glass. Uh, lunch break. Yeah, like it was, it was dense, like... <laughs> But it, it hit all of those notes. Like there was just that nice tart from like the currants. We got that nice peanut butterness on it. And we basically were able to get this before the tap kicked, like, and they had to like try to shake the keg a little bit because it is so heavy and dense. Like they had to shake it off the size of the keg to have enough to actually make <laughs> the pour for our, uh, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the word for sampler? Flight? Flight. Yes, thank you. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic. I haven't had a chance to go back to Ellipsis since then. Just because it is a little bit further away. It is kind of closer to MCO, the International Airport here in Orlando. Which is like double the time it would take me to get to Sideward. So obviously sidewards is just going to win. Because I can just drive there and get a sandwich and extra beers. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's a perfect place for us to stop uh, right after we leave the brewery or we leave the airport. We will do
0: that whenever it happens. Paul?
2: Uh, I'm going to have to go. I,
0: I did cheat
2: because I'm a darn dirty theater. Uh, I'm going to go with 42 North. Uh, during the pandemic, they opened up with a little beer tent, like, right out front. You just pull up. You tell them what you want. They load it up, and you, you pop your trunk. They load it up in your trunk. You give them. You swipe the card. You don't even touch anything, and, and you can get what you want. Um, I've done it twice now. where I've just loaded up, got a bunch of their sours. I really—they're not the big froth-free, puree poor sours, but they are the nice tart, like crisp sours that have been good. I still enjoy their um path, they don't call it Pathfinder. I forget what they call it. Their IPA, like limited one-shot release.
0: Oh, um,
2: it is, uh Preemption Series.
1: Preemption Series, yeah. Thank you. From,
2: uh, from 42 North. Still enjoy those. You know, so when they put something it always seems every time I go, which isn't often, there's new stuff to get. There's a new Sour. There's a new Preemption series. There's a new something. Um, it, it's, if I was cursed and was told that I could only go to one brewery here in the Buffalo area, I'd be hard-pressed to pick somebody other than 42 North. It'd be close to be between 42 North, Thin Man. Probably be mine would be up there. And also Big Ditch. I think those are
1: the three. It would be Thin Man. I think I'd say Froth now because of the Lollipop Sours. And I've, like, Caitlin loved those, and we've spent, I've probably spent more money on Lollipop than I have on any other local beer. Uh... But if you take Froth out, I would say Thin Man, Community Beer Works, and then Big Ditch. Like, 42 North would be lower on my list because it's really Halt who goes there and the Peaches beer that I really like from them.
2: Also, Froth is so far away from me. You know oh it's it's the closest brewery to me yeah yeah it's like and, and that's probably that might be why it's so high on my list right now because it's it's an East Aurora it's a good 20 minute drive but it's not a hard 20 minute like if I it's 20 minute if I take expressways or it's 20 minute if I take the back roads like it's an easy drive um, there so yeah yeah um, the whole 42 North experiences during this whole pandemic, if I had to pick one, it would be probably one of their Halt Who Goes There series of years. Um, Chris, you got one if you have 3D glasses, the old black and white. I and do not. Right, if you have the red and uh, blue 3D glasses, that's actually uh, a 3D glass or 3D <sighs> cam.
0: I threw that can out already and I don't have glasses, but it's cool to know that now, so thanks.
2: Okay, sorry. Should have packaged some glasses. It's okay.
0: You.
2: Uh, Paul, what's your number one? My number one is going to be the Harpoon League series. The whole Rec League series. Um, I've been trying to get into lower ABV, lower uh, calorie beers this year, and this has been my favorite. Um, of that kind of, like, route. It's, I think each one of them was delicious and great. I would pick up this pack as my constant to-go-to beer filler. Like, if I'm watching the Buffalo Bills game, I would happily go to one of these beers. Any one of them. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and or a Tuesday, and I'm like, just... Because unlike John who wants to drink beer because he wants to share the experience with friends. I want to drink beer to shut off those voices in my head. And, you know, they have some alcohol to them, but not a ton. And they have some calories, but not a ton. And this is the perfect beer to <coughs> shut off all those different voices in my head. It's per- You know, and that's why uh, this is my number one. And I kind of feel bad that the uh, you know, the whole you know, rolling paper or fancy papers wasn't number
0: one. But you know. <laughs> that's okay. It didn't even make my list, so I you still got to talk about it. That's fine. Yep. Chris, you're number one. Uh my number one is also gonna be from Sideward Brewing, and this is their double mad, and this is a barley wine style ale that's been aged in bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. And it's everything that I want in a bourbon to uh, barrel aged beer. It was everything I wanted in a barley wine, but it also has kind of a special note for me because again, as I said before I worked two jobs, one full-time, one part-time I was furloughed from both of them. So from the middle of March until like the end of June, I did not work at all. So I was dependent on my stimulus check, which I did not get until the end of July. And then Florida uh, unemployment benefits, which I didn't get until May. So I had no income coming in. I was watching my bank accounts every day, basically being like, okay, well, I can make a run to the store. I can get groceries. I'll still have enough money to pay rent for like the next three months. I'm good. I got this. But there came a time where I was like, you know what? I'm staying up until like six o'clock in the morning falling asleep, waking up at like 10 o'clock and then just like playing video games, watching like YouTube or Disney plus, like I need to just break the habit. So I actually went to sideward brewing, got myself a couple beers to go, a couple crawlers, a sandwich. And that was my first time like going out and treating myself besides just like, Oh, I need to get more spinach and like bread. Like my, let me go like five minutes away to my local grocery store. So sitting out on my porch and drinking this beer just hit me in all the right ways. Not just because it was delicious, but also because it was just that break from living in the terrible world that was Twenty Twenty to just
2: it's a wake yeah, up. Yeah, it's just
0: feeling normal. Like wow, I got to go to a brewery. I got a sandwich. I got a couple really good beers because I just I sat out there and I I had this. I got their NAR, which is their Mountain Dew inspired. Uh, Berliner Weiss, I got their Codenar, which was the Code Red inspired Berliner Weiss. Uh, I I think I got their the granola cruncher, which was their Trail Mix inspired style. Like I got so many beers that I would just like have on the side and just be like, okay, new day, gonna go sit outside, read some books, enjoy a beer. And it was really that lighthouse in the middle of something terrible. And like the fact that when i finally got my first unemployment check that had the back time in it for when i had been furloughed to then i was like oh i can treat myself now and i got a burger from uber eats like some <laughs> some sense of normalcy was so welcome during this time and that's really what double mad was and it it's one of those things where it's like as soon as you get released from prison that burger that you have is going to be the best burger that you eat. That's what this beer was. It also helps that it was just we a really, out, really good beer. Getting back out from the desert. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my number one this year. And I hope they do it again because I, I would crush another crawler of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe they might, might see it in four packs. Uh, My number one is going to be from Threes Brewing. Uh, This is a brewery that I really, the first time I had them was probably this year. Um, And this is the beer that makes me go back to, or makes me try every beer that they have. Because I've super enjoyed just about everything that I have had from them. Their Pilsner is one of my favorite Pilsners. But Dare to Know, uh, their American style IPA was a beer that I had on the show. I think I rated it like a three, two, five, a three, five by the end of the show. And by the time I had finished the beer, I went in and I raised it. I was like, you know, this is actually so much better of the beer than I gave it. And I raised the, the score on it. And then I went to work the next day and all I could talk about was how good Oh, sorry, Paul. I was falling asleep on um. uh, I'm
3: sorry. I, <laughs>
1: I just I, watched your eyes it. roll in your head.
2: It's not you. <laughs> I've been up since 6 o'clock. Ew, since yeah. 5.30. This
1: morning. Yeah, me too. Uh, sorry, you're fine. Um, and it was uh, all I could talk about the next day. So much so that I raised the score even higher because all I could think about was how good that beer was. That Dare to Know from Three's Brewing was just Absolutely delicious. It was just that thing that I couldn't stop talking about, and it's the beer that makes me want to try everything from that brewery. I do
2: not like the camp- the label design of Three's Brewery.
1: Nope. Nope. I would know. agree. I would one hundred percent agree. Every with
2: time, I, most of I the see, time, I see stuff from Three's Brewery at like consumers and stuff, and I'm like, I just don't. I just don't. I'm not that person. I'm not that person that buys that beer. You know what I mean? Like Forty to North, nice clean labels. Looks nothing crazy about it except for hey, it's in 3 <laughs> week. Like,
1: what? Uh,
0: you might be thinking of another brewery. Uh, Three's is kind of off-putting. I get it because <laughs> I'm not familiar with their label, so I just looked it up. I I can see that.
2: It's that like uh, garbage-pale kids. Kind of like eighties. Um, okay, I think
0: you're thinking of something different. Am I? Yeah, thinking thre- maybe thinking of like three Floyds. Thinking,
2: oh, I'm thinking three Floyds, and also, and maybe the kind. Who does the kind? Uh, I don't know. I, it's IPA it's late. The kind IPA, which is the
1: oh th- uh, three heads, three heads. I'm thinking of a
2: lot of different places. That I do not like. <laughs>
1: but And if you listen to our podcast in many places... Are we good to wrap yeah, up? I'm, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. No. Yeah. Uh, rate and review us. Let us I know on the Facebook. Like Find Chris's great posts over on Instagram and Twitter and wherever else they pop up.
0: Yeah, thanks for sitting with us throughout this year. Uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs. And honestly, like going to a brewery outside, like this has really been my kind of break away from the normal world. It's like getting to record a podcast with my friends and we've been able to do it through bag and board, but then also sideshows like word books with friends and the movie fix. And those have been the moments that I really look forward to. And as we're closing out 2020, uh, I'm thankful to have at least had those moments coming out of this terrible, terrible year. Uh, Just again, like we always say, getting to share something that I love and we love with each other and you.
2: Guys, remember back in 2018 where we tried to do the best of the year and also our look ahead in the same episode?
1: Well, I could have told. I told you guys when you guys wanted to do that, it wasn't going to happen. No, no, I
2: think you were the one that pushed it.
1: No, I knew that wasn't going to happen because we always talk way too much. How much did we talk about the bills that Chris and I couldn't give a shit?